What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. Huh? Huh? Of all the directors in the last few decades, Paul Verhoeven is frequently praised as the most prophetic. Like all great prophets, from Nostradamus to The Simpsons, this must get chalked up to a bunch of different factors, from purely coincidental to an almost mystical ability to be plugged into the cultural zeitgeist. After working at home in the Netherlands for a couple decades, Verhoeven made an international name for himself in the late 1970s. Paul Verhoeven's early work is all in Dutch, and during this first phase, the Seattle Times praised Verhoeven as a one-man Dutch movie industry. However, like in many countries, Dutch films are subsidized by the government, which makes it hard to create controversial work. And Verhoeven has always reveled in the controversial. In the 1980s, Verhoeven decided to move to the United States to get studio financing for his next few movies. However, this meant switching to English-language filmmaking. Starting with an ambitious project, Verhoeven co-wrote an ambitious historical drama with his longtime screenwriting collaborator called Flesh and Blood with an international cast that turned into a disastrous and complicated process. Flesh and Blood was pulled in multiple directions by the creative team, censored for a controversial rape scene, and disastrous at the box office. However, Verhoeven chose an interesting decade to move to the United States, one where money was flooding into corporate coffers, and I think it's safe to say creativity was often lacking. A Universal Pictures story executive who dreamed of becoming a screenwriter, Edward Neumeyer, had conceived of this basic idea for Robocop after witnessing Blade Runner get filmed in the creative lot behind his office. Neumeyer teamed up with an aspiring director named Michael Miner, who had sent a music video into Universal. Sure, but I think that um, we have to thank really the two writers, uh, Michael Miner and um, Neumeyer, who basically presented a lot of these things already in the script. I mean, I, I came to, in, to the United States, it was 85, 86, and yeah, I jumped into this movie, but I was not um, so much aware of the political situations that were around. So I, I, I'm very... Um, um, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that none of these uh, political observations were coming from me. Verhoeven also had a connection to Blade Runner, as the Dutch actor Rutger Hauer, who played the villain Roy, had been the star of Flesh and Blood. Neumeyer shopped around Hollywood for a buyer for Robocop, eventually ending up at Orion Pictures. Orion Pictures was where Verhoeven had found the financing for Flesh and Blood. However, Verhoeven was not the first director slated to direct. That was Jonathan Kaplan, who ended up leaving to direct Project X. To the break it down, yo! No, not that one. The Matthew Broderick one. After Kaplan dropped out, Orion suggested Verhoeven as the director to take over. Verhoeven initially declined the script, and it took three sets of rewrites to get him to agree to it. The Blade Runner and Orion connection seemed like perhaps they were the coincidences that aligned the stars for Robocop. Neumeyer tapped into the cultural zeitgeist, as he would teach Verhoeven to do for their next, even more prophetic collaboration, Starship Troopers. Having been uh, a child during World War II and being occupied by the Germans in, uh, in the, in the uh, 40s in Holland, I mean, I recognized a lot of stuff and in some way, but although differently. So, but 
I mean, it's really uh, at Numai and Michael Minor we, who set up this kind of uh, political um, um, level that the movie has. The 1980s were the era of Reagan and Bush, the corporatization of business merging with the hand of state power. And first Carter, then Reagan, ushered in an unprecedented privatization of the public sector. It is for this reason that I must tell those who fail to report for duty th this morning, they are in violation of the law, and if they do not report for work within 48 hours, they have forfeited their jobs and will be terminated. Starting with Nixon in the 1970s, the war on drugs had led to an increase in incarceration, as well as the ballooning of police budgets across the country. If we're going to have a successful offensive, we need more money. Consequently, I'm asking the Congress for $155 million in new funds, which will bring the total amount this year in the budget for drug abuse, both in enforcement and treatment, to over $350 million. This moved in tandem with deindustrialization, hitting urban centers in the Midwest, and causing poverty and thus crime to skyrocket in cities which had flourished just decades earlier. It is no exaggeration to say that many people are afraid to be out on the streets at night. Detroiters know about their own city's reputation. The homicide rate has gone up during good times and bad, when there was racial tension and when there was not, when other crimes increased or decreased. Homicide is a growth industry. In 10 years, the homicide toll increased five and a half times. No better city to exemplify those problems than Detroit, where Robocop is set. In its heyday right after World War II, Detroit was a flourishing city that was the center of auto manufacturing in the United States. The big three automakers, Ford, GM, and Chrysler, are still headed in Michigan. Foundrymen, blacksmiths, marine engineers, and carriage builders easily switched over to car building. Then, when they figured out a system of fabricating the parts and putting autos together on a moving conveyor, it set the pattern for mass production, the mass production of all sorts of wonderful products. It fired the starting gun for today and the greater days that lie ahead. But by the late 1960s, as Japan and Germany recovered economically, they began importing cars. The big three began moving their manufacturing to right-to-work states to avoid the demands of United Auto Workers. Detroit was hollowed out and began shrinking. Also, much like other flourishing cities, as the white unionized middle class made more money, they moved out to the suburbs. As in many other cities, the central business district is not what it used to be. Some people describe it harshly as a zone of decay. At any rate, business has declined, with much of the commerce fleeing to the suburbs. Meanwhile, a southern exodus pushed more African Americans and Latino Americans into cities like Detroit. Deindustrialization in the 1970s meant poverty for minority communities that had recently moved to Detroit. This makes Detroit, a hollowed out and shrinking city, the perfect setting for Robocop. In Robocop, Detroit has fallen so far that it's a complete dystopia on the brink of full collapse. The mega corporation, Omni Consumer Products, has purchased the city of old Detroit in order to create the first privatized city, Delta City, as a giant company town. To clean up Detroit in order to move their construction workers, presumably the first wave of residents, into the city, they privatized the Detroit Police Department. Three dead police officers, one critically injured. Police union leaders blame Omni Consumer Products, OCP, the firm which recently entered into a contract with the city to fund and run the Detroit Metropolitan Police Department. 
Dick Jones, Division President, OCP. Every policeman knows when he joins the force that there are certain inherent risks that come with the territory. To clean up the city, Vice President Dick Jones. I work for Dick Jones! Dick Jones! Commissions the ED-209, Enforcement Droid Series 209, which has been contracted by the military, malfunctions, and kills an Omni executive. Don't worry, it's just a junior executive. Not wanting to lose the contract or get the bad PR, the old man, Omni CEO, allows a junior executive named Bob Morton to pitch the RoboCop project. Verhoeven and Neumeyer have explained they visualized RoboCop as a Jesus figure for the Reagan era. Reagan Jesus. I'm afraid I can't comment on Delta City. That's not my division. But I will tell you this. At Security Concepts, we're projecting the end of crime in old Detroit within 40 days. After trying to bring in several big actors, Orion greenlit the casting of Peter Weller as RoboCop. Verhoeven said he liked Weller's chin, the only part exposed by the RoboCop suit. So we basically cast it partially on Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Weller has really the good Jaws, you know? So RoboCop is the perfect corporate soldier, requiring barely any food and no sleep, mostly made of metal armor. His digestive system is extremely simple. This processor dispenses a rudimentary paste that sustains his organic system. RoboCop has no memories and is programmed for four directives. Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law, and a secret fourth thing. Detroit is overrun by a gang led by Clarence Boddicker, played by Kurtwood Smith. Or you can hop out of here with my boot in your ass! At the top of the pyramid is Dick Jones. Dick Jones, Omni's vice president, who's trying to profit off all the misery while also having the company in charge of both fighting crime and military contracts. This shows the immoral nature of corporations in general. Robocop was way ahead of its time, tackling huge issues like police militarization and privatization that would plague our society for the next half century. Long live Reagan Jesus. You cocksuckers! I work for Dick Jones! Dick Jones! He's the number two guy at OCP! OCP runs the cops! You're a cop! Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Right now, Conan is working on Catterwall 2023. Catterwall Music Festival is going to be in Minneapolis from May 26th to 29th. Tickets are on sale now at catterwall.org. Christina Oaks, when she's not dog-sitting, you can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at, at cosmopolitics. Throw her some subs on Twitch. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Slim hosts and produces podcasts for Letterboxd, including the Letterboxd show and their weekend watch list and the 70mm pod. I, of course, am your Academy Award nominated host in a supporting role, Forrest Miller. Let's bring out those nominees. 
Part of Christine Oaks will be played by this minifig right here. This is a good one, I think. It looks just like her. So yeah. <laughs> it looks like a well, Lego. Thanks, it looks like a Lego Jesus. Lego Jesus, yeah. Why not have a Lego Jesus on a podcast? <laughs> I love the, the I love the, the music vibe on those intros. Always gets me to move. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like more hip elevator music than your music. <laughs> exactly. You want to tap your foot, or you want to move. Yeah. Speaking of intros, Jesus, that, that that's practically and speaking of Lego Jesus, uh that uh that intro is practically a movie, man. You practically made a documentary. Yeah, <laughs> that was rad. Well, we we had that nor'easter ah. last night and I wasn't really doing anything and it just ended up uh ballooning out into yeah. into like a eleven minute <laughs> mini doc. But I mean, that's you great. know. Uh, I feel like so much has been said about, uh, you know, RoboCop as a movie and it needs like a good amount of like to have like a good, like politicized discussion about it too. Like you have to have like a lot of context for the last yeah. 50 years to make it make sense. Um, or you could just have it, you know, be a cool eighties action movie and ignore all the context. And that, that also works too. Yeah. Skip over was, uh, the fact that it was very much inspired by judge dread. And the original sculpt out of RoboCop was a, as an absolute knockoff of Judge Dredd, which Judge Dredd itself was making fun of American films like uh, Dirty Harry, uh, which, again, is all about, you know, the reactionary American. It was like a satire of America. And uh, if you if you ever get a chance, go back and read those classic Judge Dredds from the, uh, you know, the 70s, early 80s. The, the, those are absolutely fantastic. And the art is top notch. So, mm -hmm. so there you go. Turn this off and go read some comics. <laughs> uh, Slim, welcome, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, good thanks for having me. I'll, I'll pretty much say yes to any RoboCop-related audio invite. So it was a pretty easy decision. I was well, actually finished it just before recording. Had it on. Always a delight to rewatch RoboCop. I, I know? cannot tell you how many times I've seen this film, and uh, that's a good thing. Like this is yeah. definitely like a comfort movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I love all the extra features that are, that are crammed into like one little like weird bizarre menu in the in the corner. Uh, but there's there's so plentiful. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the Arrow release, I think Arrow maybe last year put the Blu-ray or two years ago, and then most recently, they, then they did a 4K release. The 4K. Yeah. And that first Blu-ray, it came with like a poster. It came with lobby yeah. cards. It came with an OCP sticker, like that. That's set. Give a good sticker. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice sticker. Yeah, I was I on. Imagine, uh, I imagine uh, the kind of person who would put an, like an OCP sticker on something, or like those cops that put the Punisher logo on stuff. Oh god, no. they totally <laughs> misunderstand the context. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a corporate guy being like, "I love it. I work at Raytheon, and this is <laughs> it's everything that I want in a contractor." <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't drive around necessarily with an OCP sticker on. Maybe put that on my laptop, yeah, laptop a little bit more concealed, and maybe people can get the joke. I think uh, one of the reasons why this film, of which there is no remake, gladly, uh, is that uh, works so well is because a lot of the themes that are that are in it, um, at least from like this deep satirical place that Verhoeven was coming from, still are very much yeah. of the day right now. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's actually pretty remarkable uh, and pretty sad in, in, in some way. But like the privatization of the police force, uh, you know, just just the absolute complete um evisceration of like violence culture and uh and conspicuous consumption like it's i it's, it's i mean it's still it's it's amazing like how good of a satire so i mean well also being a good action movie it doesn't get preachy about it you know yeah, it, that, it, has, it introduces the idea of the meme with i'll buy that for a dollar <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> 
I would buy that for a dollar. Yes. yes. Uh, I, I like. I like when they're. Uh, they, they 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 use the meme in a perfect context too when they're walking into the meeting room and he's like yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar and that's the same way that we strip the context from things that really don't have a context that really makes sense anyway you know it's just like yeah. some guy saying that on There's TV like and then someone times in the movie yeah. where they they use it just mm -hmm. that well yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like a thing that everybody says and it's just like ubiquitous like what I love um the the the, the fella uh, uh the I like it guy I can't remember his character's name right now uh he's like sitting there trying to watch the show and there's like a riot happening. So he like breaks the window so he can turn the volume up and hear the show. Amazing moment, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, like, it yeah. It's, I, it's, it's, there's so many great moments like that where it's just like, I think that Verhoeven coming from not being an American, like gets the evisceration of uh, uh, partic that, a particular segment of American culture in a way that, Makes it deeply entertaining, but maybe like an American director wouldn't have, which is good because everybody passed on this movie. Nobody wanted to make it. Nobody wanted to make mm -hmm. it. Like, I like that the, the uh, Jonathan Kaplan, the guy that was originally slated to direct it, he went on to like uh, leave it because he's making a movie with Matthew Broderick and a monkey. Like, <laughs> I, bigger things came along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, at the time, you probably would have thought that this movie was going to be a dud too. Like in the, it's the eighties and they're going to try to make a realistic robotic cop. Like in your head, it sounds like this is going to be a dud POS that no one's going to watch. And then yeah. it turned out to be the total opposite. Yeah. It's, it's like one of the greatest action movies of all time, but yeah, NBD, yeah. but yeah, if you just see the title RoboCop, you're like, what the? Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of, there's like a, a whole clip that I found where they're talking shit about it. And they're like, we wanted to change the name, but like, we couldn't think of anything else besides RoboCop. Like that name just worked too well for it. But like every single person that read it, like most people probably didn't open the first page of the script because they're like, this, this movie's <laughs> called RoboCop. Like right. send it to Joe Dante where we aren't going to do it. <laughs> right. And, and also, isn't there that the famous story too, that even he turned it down a few times, but I think the, the legend is that his wife read it. And yeah. it's explained to him that, like, this is actually pretty good. Like, the, the themes in the movie, you're going to want to maybe read this again. Yeah, yeah. He's, so here's, he's like, there's some that, depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's that legend, uh, you know, on, on the screen. In, in video in video form. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Asking you shall receive some. We, 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 I love it. <laughs> I have reservations about the title because the title is just basically silly. And no matter who you told the title to, you could just see it, the expression on their face like, God, why are they involved with such a piece of junk, you know? So we often thought about trying to come up with a better title, but it, it stuck. In fact, I remember Orion saying, we can never sell it with that title. It's stupid. It sounds like a kid's movie. But in the end, a title that tells you what the movie is is, is really quite good. I'd always been this huge fan of Paul Verhoeven. Barbara Boyle had just finished doing Flesh and Blood with him for Orion. She said, well, let me send it to Paul Verhoeven. Paul was having trouble in Holland. He just was not getting along with the uh, people in the film business there, I guess. First movies that I did, included Soldier of Orange, were always financed by government of the right wing. Now, when the government changed to the left wing, I started to have problems. It started already with, with Spetters because they thought it was decadent and perverted. Paul's the director. He can direct actors. He, beautiful camera work. I mean, Kichi Tipple, Soldier of Maring, Spetters, Turkish Delight. I mean, these are good pictures. I can't imagine in a million years that Paul Verhoeven would want to do this picture. And sure enough, he said no. When I got finally the <laughs> tip of Robocop and I read it, I thought it was extremely silly and stupid. I threw it 
on the floor and saying, I'm not going to shoot this kind of rubbish. My wife picked up that script Robocop and read it. And she said, you know, yeah, this is perhaps not, uh, it's not Shakespeare, but it is a script with more layers than you think. Martine read it and said, there's decapitations and people getting their arms ripped off. You'll like it. And indeed, he said, well, I have never seen uh, the hero get his hand blown off. And he, he sent us a telegram saying that he would, uh, he would do the picture. And no one was more shocked than I. In the movies like Turkey's Delight or Soldier of Orange, The Force Man and Spetters, which are the most well-known in the United States, you are really talking about people and no, not special effects. So it's strange because I had never done anything like that. And it was not that I, were, uh, that I was craving to do it. It was not that I thought, my God, I'm, I, I remember these movies out of my use and I want to do them myself. I think that in general, I would say that I, I was not a big fan of, 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 of science fiction. It doesn't matter. We're going to blank his memory anyway. I think it's really amazing <laughs> with Paul's work. There's nothing that indicates anything like this before. And he effortlessly pulls that off. Well, he signed the release forms when he joined the force. He's legally dead. <laughs> <laughs> have, have any, so I know we've only ever covered Benedetta on this show, which is really bizarre. Yes. Uh, has anyone seen? No, we did showgirls. We did showgirls. Uh, I'm trying to forget. I, ha that. I have <laughs> seen Soldier of Orange. Um, I like that with Rudger Hauer, and he, you know, that was that was before he kind of transitioned to English yeah. language films. That was pretty good. Yeah, I recently saw uh, Flesh and Blood, or Fresh was that, that that's the one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's his first American one, and that's um, something. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how also right. it's American funded, but he immediately left to go to Madrid to film it. Like, right. he's like, he's like, look, this might be my first American film and I'll do it English language, but like, I do not want to be here. And I got a fun actor <laughs> yeah. to, to star in it. <laughs> I mean, he's got an amazing filmography. Like I, I, yeah. after when Beta, when Benedetta was like being hyped, I started to go through his filmography to see ones that I'd missed. So I watched L, which I thought was incredible. Um, very interesting way to tackle the subject matter. And then I, I finally watched Basic Instinct for the first time, I think, like a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And I, I had so that. much fun watching that. It was a hoot. Oh, Basic Instinct rocks. That's a great yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah, except for the fact that Sharon Stone lost her, uh, you know, uh, custody of her child because of that movie. Is that yeah, real? That just, oh, my God. Was just on the news, uh, what, like three days ago or something. Yeah, so yeah. She, she, she just was talking yeah. about, uh, uh, like, um, she's opening up about it publicly. Um, oh, dang. Which is just like, oh, man, that. He's like, it's like you do. I, 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 I think she should have been given custody of other people's children based on how great they, that was. Yeah, when I, when I, I was gonna say when I was reading the wiki that like it, it turned into at the time when they did like that first premiere, she said she had no idea that that scene was in it, and she asked for Hoven essentially to remove it, and he refused. So it was almost like a he said she said, but like at that point, why not just remove it if she asks? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because that wow. felt like a giant dick move to not. It also it also feels like it's crazy that it was that movie that made her lose her kid and not Casino. Like this. Oh, is, good point. Yeah, yeah. Like, not, I do not want this drug addict around kids. Like I don't know, she just played that role so effectively in Casino. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What, what 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 was what was the uh, criminal behavior in? basic instinct other than being hot don't answer that uh i will also like i mean but think about the other ones he did like total recall yeah like uh, uh pretty good uh Amazing. starship troopers like one of the other great like sci-fi satires like which is doubly hilarious because like heinland's original starship troopers is so different and i love i love seeing people like not getting the satirical aspects of that film where it's like all right think about mm -hmm. this 
think about this a little harder, would you? Um, yeah. When I was a kid, I didn't. I like Starship Troopers, but I didn't connect with it in terms of action like I did Robocop. Because like yeah. when I was growing up, Robocop was just like awesome, like a yeah. robot cop destroying people. Like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And when then when I watched Starship Troopers, like I don't know if it's as cool as Robocop. And then eventually I watched it as an adult and got it. Yeah, I watched uh, Starship Troopers as a kid too, but like I rented it from the video store, not knowing what it was, and just like wanting another like star star related movie, I guess. Like, <laughs> the Starship Troopers looks uh, looks cool, and I remember being like, "Giant bugs, what the fuck?" <laughs> I like that they never made a sequel to that one either. They they also did, just like they never made a sequel or remake of RoboCop. <laughs> was that new? I think is it Newmeyer who went on? Is it new? I think Newmeyer's like career is Starship related. Yeah, from after this yeah. point. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty well, much a niche. And it makes yeah. it it makes it interesting that uh you know he had a writing partner that I don't think transitioned with him to Starship Troopers. Verhoeven jumped on this is that's like the one big one that he like wrote and directed um like in this period or whatever, uh co-wrote. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of interesting that like Ed Newmeyer was like, Look, I've had two ideas. One is Robocop, the other one's Starship Troopers. That's my like uh you know but like, uh, pretty good. <laughs> Starship Troopers, it was like he he wrote something really similar to Starship Troopers, and they're just like, Well, why don't you just do Starship Troopers? And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard their names together, I think, on the Robocop TV series. Oh I my think, god, I forgot I about that. Think, I yeah, mean Prime <laughs> Directives. I think they teamed up for that. Because when I was growing up, I remember seeing them at Suncoast video like, like produced, so it's like everybody from Stargate's in it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I remember thinking when I was younger, like, what is this? I've never heard of more RoboCop movies besides like the first two or maybe the third one. And I took it back and I was like, what is this? Like, it's at the one show. where like he he can't shoot anybody, so he's just like walking around and stuff. Yeah, he like shoves I'm... his fingers up a guy's nose and, and like stretches them out. <laughs> and yeah. The, the action <laughs> figures I think were from that show too. I remember like some of the characters getting their own action figures. There were some interesting ideas. There was like an artificial intelligence Siri type character that he interacted with that took control yeah. of the city. Some of the stuff was actually still pretty forward thinking. Like if they had made another movie, it would have been pretty cool if they just yeah, not made a TV show instead. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Cause like the, the whole concept's like he wakes up in the year uh, like 3000. Uh, and I'd be mixing this up a little bit with uh the 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 reboot that almost happened with um uh, the guy who did Black Swan uh, Arnofsky yeah and um uh but but uh it, he's supposed to like wake up in the far future and uh like like they they need a RoboCop because of their, there's crime and they don't quite know how to deal with it and that's kind of like uh talking about like I hope that's the dialogue we need a RoboCop that can solve <laughs> these problems for us hey we need some kind of robot cop. Hey, we got one in the basement. How, how I, got, I got one of those back over here. How, and it's an amazing one? idea. Like I was pissed that Aronofsky couldn't make it, and then who's the other director? Neil Blomkamp, who oh, did District Nine. Nine. So yeah. he also was attached to that property, and like many others that he's attached to, never happened. Um, but yeah, it sucks because I think they even said like Peter Weller was going to like potentially loan his likeness to the film and voice, but it's just like, ugh, come on, now's the time. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, well, I, and like they did that great. Since we're just talking about spinoff media, I guess that there's that great RoboCop versus Terminator Dark Horse graphic novel yeah. that it was like that's your that's your screenplay. Make that, make mm-hmm. that Mike, movie. Mike Miller, who who uh, wrote the uh, what ended up becoming the the sequels. Um, yeah, those were not his scripts, by the way. Uh, that that's uh, that's a whole other. Uh, if they were to exist, we would discuss them. But since they yeah. don't exist, we don't have. To. Uh, honestly, <laughs> no, I just watched the second one because I had time, and, and like uh, the the subtext of the city. Uh, trying to do a hostile takeover of uh, this, uh, uh, you know, the OCP trying to do a hostile takeover of yeah. Detroit. 
is just like, oh, oh, like that, that'll, that, you know, like I remember at the time, like, ah, that'll never happen. It's like, yeah, that, that actually, <laughs> yeah, actually. Well, there's a right, right now, uh, Elon Musk is getting ready to do his uh, Tesla company town. He's just yeah, it's, it's like his Delta rain. City. Yeah. 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 And I, I assume that I assume I'm that sure it'll work out great. <laughs> well, no matter how bad Delta City is and how authoritarian, I imagine Tesla's going to be worse. Um, for the for the small reason that the turnover rate of Tesla is insane. So, like, yeah. if you if you bank on having a contract and getting a house out of that, and then you know it's a company that like fires and lays people off constantly. Like, I imagine just living in like this anxiety ridden community of constant fear where like every other day, like someone who lives above you or below you or something is just like, oh, I'm packing my bags. Tesla laid me off and now I have nowhere to live. Homeless mm-hmm. population skyrockets or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's not going to well. But again, that's one of the reasons why, uh, again, Robocop, the movie we're discussing, uh, it was so prescient. Like, is that, and like, I think you see some of that. Sorry to bother you, kind of does that a little bit like the plan community aspects of it. Yeah. Everyone, everyone always remembers the end for good reason. But like, that's like, you know the whole like oh you live and you work in the same place and it's this idyllic community but yeah right sure it is mm-hmm. uh yeah sounds great <laughs> yeah i mean in both cases it's kind of a forward thinking uh like uh you know they have basically people living in the cubes and um and, and sorry to bother you as that's kind of yeah. happening and amazon's like we have people living in these cubes oh we're doing and- that too we're great <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't admit that. Don't say we're living in right, right now. You know they're not doing the uh, RoboCops as in uh, you know guys like ro- like robot guys. They have the robot dogs, and that shit is more terrifying. Somebody, somebody, ch- I don't remember who it was. Somebody chimed in on Twitter with a picture of one of those Boston Dynamics, yeah, like style yes. robots, where it's like, oh, it's like lame Ed two hundred nine. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, essentially Ed two hundred nine at home. <laughs> what well, could go like, wrong? Like, uh, Ed two hundred nine, but instead of you know being stuck there like the fucking uh, at at things and fucking um, uh, Star, Star Wars, Wars. like yeah. those ones can jump. Like they yeah, can they can jump. Over. Hey, we yeah. made something can jump. Have you never seen a movie before? <laughs> because that is not a good idea. Don't make them jump. Well, we just talked about that with when uh, they're dancing. It's so cute. No, no, no. They're it's when they're armed. It's not going to be that cute. <laughs> we just talked about it with uh, Jurassic Park, and you know they're oh, like, yeah. oh, well, we could use that same process to make a woolly mammoth. And it's like, is this? Are we like in separate universes where sci-fi is not warning you about stuff to do? It's just giving you ideas about what your company should be doing right now. Because no, don't do that. <laughs> Scientists should be forced clockwork orange style to sit in a screening room and have a select few amount of dystopian sci-fi pictures played at them so they understand why, oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. Oh, I, was, I, I, thought, I thought my idea was uh, you could clockwork orange a, a media literacy class, like <laughs> seminar oh. and like understanding what movies are telling you. Uh, yeah, those and I think they'd even did a Black Mirror episode that has like basically a derivation of one of those things like roaming around, right? And that was like one of the most mm-hmm. horrifying episodes of a very horrifying show. But yeah, Ed Two Hundred Nine. Wait, what's that? I was just gonna say there was uh, there's also an X Files episode where they where they did that in the uh, the rebooted couple. Of oh seasons yeah. Oh, I dipped out on that pretty uh, quick, man. I, I was like, yeah, yeah. I watched every single one of them. Was that the one where they had like the restaurant? The restaurant was com- controlled by a computer. It was like it's some of those episodes. Started at, and like, like, like it was great because it was so subtle, like how everything was being done. It was one of the yeah. more clever episodes. Um, right. There, there's like wow. a uh, like three or four episodes out of no those two seasons. <laughs> better, Not better, for me. Better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that. Oh, so oh, one of the things that I love too about 
uh, th- I, this is actually going somewhere about Mad God kind of being in the popular consciousness. People understand what a badass Phil Tippett is. Because mm-hmm. when you think about, and because Slim, I'm the same as you. I saw this as a pretty young man, probably too young, frankly, because it wasn't the edited version. And I mean, Ed 209 is terrifying. It still is terrifying. Obviously, it looks a little bit of, it, of its time now, but the stop motion, there's something about stop motion that's like, it's it, it's so freaky and like unnatural looking that is just naturally terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other, I, it's it's so good in this movie. I feel like it still holds up. And this yeah. watch and previous watches, I like can tell in the 4K, and it's probably the same in the Blu-ray, where like you know you can see how the stop motion in frame is like, and the background characters are obviously like a, a, a smaller quality. It's like this is obviously some like technical of the time technology, but it's still so badass. Like it's still yeah. so cool. The fight in the stairwell is so cool and it works with the combination of Phil Tibbet, but then also like Verhoeven's direction and, and the cinematography in the movie. Like there's so many cool shots of Robo just like looking through his visor with like one eye at yeah. like all of those things where any other like a less talented crew, it would probably be just terrible. But I, I honestly yeah. feel like with the combination of like the Phil and Verhoeven and so many others and Peter Weller. Like that's the only reason that this movie works because everyone did so well. How he chose to like move even right Mm -hmm. because I I think originally he wanted to have like fast movements this and that and like he like it's it's real. I know there's a small and I'm I'm mixing a match in like what I sort of saw of of one of these making ofs uh, with you know, just some stuff that's just in the ether. Oh, there he is, Roboflack. But the 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 whole thing where it's kind of bird like almost where like yeah. how we kind of like he'll like snap to like to do a thing but like everything about it like yeah like how he kind of swings around full body style and i love a, a small little bit of trivia is that like in the car he they couldn't fit the whole suit in the car <laughs> so it was just the top half and peter weller in his underwear and then they, <laughs> that's why they have all the shots of him like swinging his legs out because they had to do those separately. Yeah. Which I think is so amazing. And like that's it's I love little, but like you would never know. Right. Because it's so immersive and it takes you right to it that when you, you just he's moving like like when it doesn't show you him at first. When you see him like yes. walking through the police station, you see little bits and pieces there. You see a bit, a bit and piece mm-hmm. there. And people are like, oh, well, see people reacting to him, but you don't see him. I, yeah, I talked about this with uh, Jurassic Park. The, the way the way they didn't, yeah. you know, they held off showing dinosaurs. They showed everybody's reaction first, and, and it's yeah. it's very much, uh, you know, like like uh, uh, you know, this is before Jurassic Park, so uh, even so, so you're you know you're just watching everybody's reactions. That is such. Uh, I love that scene so much because like like I remember watching sitting in the theater because I was ten years old. My my dad took me. Um, uh, sitting in the theater watching that, like wanting to see RoboCop, and like, like just, just like the the little glimpses you're getting, and like, like I'm, I just remember just the excitement building up inside. Because uh, whoa, know, back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, so was this movie? This movie was rated R, right? You, your dad took yes. you to see RoboCop rated R age ten. That's legit. When I was ten. Oh man, <laughs> had you already so seen Buckaroo Banzai at that point? Yes, yes, I had. He's a he's yeah, a, a uh, slim. Andy is like the biggest Buckaroo Banzai fan in the world. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, Peter fact, Weller is super fan. As, as a kid. By extension, uh, it was yeah. a year before <laughs> RoboCop came out, and I saw the director's cut, which is it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I saw the director's cut of it. Okay. Uh, 
with a, with a bunch of hardcore fans that were like shouting the lines out of the movie. It, it's absolutely wow. wild. Well, that that's that's one of the reasons why Peter Weller was actually picked to play the role is because of, because that was it's it's strange to think about Buckaroo Banzai as anything other than like you know a weird cult classic now. But at the, you know at the time it was like it was like oh yeah Buckaroo Banzai that's an interesting movie that's cool that guy has like leading man potential right mm-hmm. and, and and so then like when they were casting for Robert Cop. They were like Peter Weller that he's got. Like I said, for Hoven's like, oh, the jawline. I like that. I also like, by the way, that he's like, oh, and they talked about doing a sequel and I just wasn't into that at all. <laughs> like it was just, where he's like, I, he told the story and, and, yeah. and not to jump ahead, but I love the, just the ending too. It just, it's the perfect ending. It's, it's the perfect it ending yeah. for this film. And originally oh, yeah. they were going to show, um, uh, ah, I can't remember the, the, the character's name, Her, his partner's name. And she was going to be like Lewis, you know, Robert, yeah, the Lewis is gonna be Robert copped up to, and I believe and, it's pronounced uh, Robert, <laughs> Robot cop, and 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 then it and then uh, you know when he, they were like no, he's like no no we can't this this is the ending, and mm-hmm. then she was like oh whew, I don't have to work <laughs> I don't have to do that that's right. great <laughs> right and she didn't I don't remember I feel like she, she got it even she might have even commented how the sequels really didn't do anything for her. And or even her character. And I and uh, you probably remember this, but I think Frank Miller's original scripts for two were turned into a comic book, a full produced comic book. Yes. Have you read those? uh, Did you remember what happens to Lewis in those issues? uh, I don't exactly. But I do know that the Robocop two, you know, the second Robocop um, kills her. And that's the motivation that Robocop has Mm. to go after him. Which, yeah. which after just rewatching it, it's very flimsy why he's going after. It's like I really hate this drug, <laughs> um, and that's 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 his motivation, and it's stupid. Um, that is stu- I, like I, I just hate you telling me about it, let alone seeing it. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah, I, Peter Weller, Peter, like his his like mime work, like it's so good as even when he like turns a one eighty, like the leg movements that he does yeah. to like twist. It's just yes. like next next level work in this movie, and, and not it's only just that, and the, the sequel, as bad as the sequel is, um, uh, they <laughs> reprogram RoboCop in one part, and Peter Weller's mm-hmm. performance, it, like like you, you're like watching him, and he's not moving like RoboCop's supposed to. He's like, like 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 right, this yeah. weird like puppeteer thing, cop. And, and it's, it's all <laughs> Peter Weller that that's uh, performance that yeah. that makes uh, that that moment of that terrible movie. Um, which mm-hmm. I still gave three stars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have given that four stars. Where did I? Where do I have it? Because I also yet yeah, oh three and a half. So I didn't love love okay. love it. I, I do remember yeah. specifically the the purple hue on his suit in RoboCop Two is very yes. different and more pronounced. Um, yeah, but so I think the, it like stylistically it looks different. The gunmetal gray of the villain, you wanted it to stand out more. Mm. So so visually, I mean, it's like um, uh, we talked a little bit about this with uh, um. Uh, Tokyo Drifter, like like how they picked that yeah. uh, powder blue coat because it would always stand out against the background. You don't want to have two gray, you know, characters going at each other. I mean, that's like a DC movie today. Um, right. <laughs> instead, you know, uh, yeah. they, they made him like blue purplish, which is mm-hmm. really weird uh, choice. But like like it's in the first movie, so they just kind of played it up. Um, speaking yeah. speaking of uh, two gray robots, do you remember the plot in the TV series where his former partner, his new partner? gets turned into a RoboCop and they have to oh, play each other. 
I vaguely remember. It's this not is, Lewis. I, like, he has a dude partner that they had like this long friendship, yeah. but he eventually gets turned into a Robocop. Whenever that I, show came out, that's when I saw it. And I have not seen it, nor have I thought about it until. <laughs> since then. Yeah, I, I remember it was filmed in uh, Toronto and I was hanging out with somebody in Toronto telling me about like, yeah, they were filming Robocop last week right around the corner here. I'm like, wait, what? Because Toronto is just like, you know, Detroit, but more polite and with different snacks. So <laughs> right. Wasn't X-Files yeah, yeah. also filmed in Canada, too? But maybe, yeah, that was in Vancouver at some point. Uh, yeah. Vancouver. Uh, um, was it the if they had made a third one, would that have been the one with the jetpack and the katana and all that? Uh, is if that, they yeah, made a third yeah, one, yeah, it yeah. would have been that but one. One of my favorite actors, Mako from from uh, Seven Samurai. No, not from yeah. Seven Samurai. But, Seven uh, Samurai. What? <laughs> yeah. Remember, I could uh, for like the longest. He'd be quite spry for his age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, Mako's in the third one, and that's really the only reason to watch the third one is is for yeah. Mako just to show it's up not and enough. Chew the scenery. <laughs> Yeah, it's not enough people. Don't do it. Uh, yeah, but back back to back to RoboCop proper. Uh, they spent like six to eight months trying to find their lead. Um, I, this is normally Christina's bit, but since she's not here, I'm going to in absentia. I'll uh, bring it. So Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of them, it's, which been, that's that a different movie. Ins- that would have been insane. Yeah, yeah. No, he would have been, been bad, but it would have been different. He would have been great as RoboCop, but not as Murphy, and that's what makes it is that, yes. that Peter Weller is great at both. You know, he, he yeah. um, uh, it's it's that charm, like there's this twinkle in his eye that Schwarzenegger, as big of a fan as I am of his, uh, just doesn't quite have. Like like, you know, it's like oh, I like to drive when I'm breaking in a new partner. You know, just just like yeah, and, and then they both kind of smile at that. Like like you know, it, it worked because like yeah, and was this was <sighs> Terminator was first. Uh, was before yes. Robocop, yeah. so he would have been Robocop and Terminator. Amazing, that would have been, uh, yeah, that would have been amazing. Uh, Keith Carradine was considered mm. for Robocop, so that would that would have been mm. interesting. That would have been, gosh, what uh, you know, so, you'd love, you know, how they, like the Lick Cage Superman stuff leaked the set, yeah, stuff. You'd, I would love to see like leaked set footage or like costume try ons for other actors for the original Robocop, Rutger Hauer was considered oh that makes sense given their history yep yep that would that would have been cool that would have been different uh sylvester stallone was discussed oh my god at least he would have fit in the car am i right (laughs) (laughs) i got him (laughs) what andy were you gonna say yes i was just gonna say you know that that basically is uh judge dread oh yeah yeah uh Michael Ironside was the uh, mm. he was like the other like basically mm. it was maybe going to be Michael Ironside. They got like really down to it. And that's a different. And I think that it was like he's too big. He's like they were thinking about the car. He can he fit in the car <laughs> with all the stuff on. <laughs> um, yeah, Peter, this is perfect for Peter Weiler. I mean, this mm-hmm. this is like plays exactly to his strengths. Again, Andy, I think you may bring up a good point about doing even with the Murphy stuff, because the reason why the RoboCop arc works is because it's him rediscovered his humanity. It was just basically stripped away by this private corporation that runs the police department. And then, you know, again, and he reconciles that then, because obviously he doesn't get to like be a human again, but he gets his humanity back. And that's so vital. Uh, Cause otherwise you just have like a fun dystopian action film where, you know, a dude gets blasted by toxic goo and then explodes like a pressurized sack when a car hits him. Right. And, and, and that's great. I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong, but. So uh, exactly. that makes me wonder about uh, Michael Ironside, though, and Verhoeven. I mean, like they're a famously collaborative 
team for you know Starship yeah. Troopers, Total Recall. Like they just kind of did pretty much everything together after this. I wonder if he contacted uh, Michael Ironside and was like, you know, you could not do. Um, I can't do a good Dutch voice right now. <laughs> Vaguely <laughs> ethnic I'm accent. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, they do something like weird, but like their tongue and their cheek, and I can't like. Yeah. I don't think I can, but. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, maybe they like they, Maybe that's why he's like, you know, okay, I want to get in on it because he's, I mean, he's great in Starship Troopers. So, yeah, 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 and great in Total Recall and Total Recall, another classic. I, also, yeah, the video you played, he even remarks about how he wasn't like into sci fi before he directed Robocop, and yet he has directed three of maybe the most important sci fi films ever made. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're on the board for three of the best of all time, man, right? Like, that's kind of amazing. Well, but but I the, kinda... second he, uh, the second he, you know, got disillusioned completely with Hollywood and left, he left, you know, sci fi. I mean, I wouldn't consider yeah. anything about Benedetta sci fi, even though she no. may or may not, even though uh... it's on a spaceship, it's it's wild. <laughs> no, well, like, even though she may or may not have like the, the, the fantasy aspect of like the word of God, maybe, maybe yeah. not like questionable. <laughs> I was just gonna say the whole religious aspect of sci-fi, right? <laughs> well, what is uh, what is Jesus if not the first, uh, you know, sci-fi hero? <laughs> I just love the idea of like I've always said that I think like I would love to see a romantic comedy made by someone that just despises the genre of romantic comedies, you know, like things along those lines. So, so <laughs> meaning that what he brought to his his filmmaking sensibilities, bringing to a genre that he wasn't really into, like I think that's fresh because because think about. Okay, if we're going to expand it out, Starship Troopers, Silver Recall, sure. RoboCop, this was fresh because, again, it wasn't like Dystopia hadn't been done before. It had, but this style of satire that also was a, like a really thrilling action movie, but had like a good degree of heart to it. Let's be, let's be fair. I mean, that combination of things really hadn't been done before. Six million dollar man, right? Of course, there's a precedent for it. But six million dollar man basically just got to do cool stuff because he got he, they built him better, right? And, and RoboCop like literally had his humanity stripped away from him by a corporation that basically ostensibly owned the police department. Would you say That's that crazy. RoboCop was a successful uh, sub, a successful implement implementation of uh, Build Back Better? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you'd almost say like if they made this now, I wonder. If How, they did, which they, of course, they would never do. Right. If, but like in today's climate, like this, the, this, what they made in the 80s resonates extremely well and isn't really too yeah. like um, finger pointy. But I almost feel like most directors and writers would almost be like unwilling to make something this satirical today without it being almost too on the nose. It almost works like yeah. today because it was made so many years ago. Like if they had done this today, I, I don't know. I don't think it would connect in the same well, way. It almost probably be too divisive. Like, uh, don't look yeah. up, which was definitely accused of being a little bit too on the nose. I don't yeah. know how you parody the entire climate apocalypse without being too on the nose, but like you know, that's kind of the style of uh, satirical content we get today, as opposed to something like this, which kind of um, doubles as an action movie. I don't think you could watch Don't Look Up and be like, yeah, I don't, I didn't get that that was about climate change at all. Like, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah. Well, but it's, but that's the thing is it's harder to nuance in this day and age. And mm -hmm. I think there are movies that do, but they tend to be smaller. Slim, you had a good uh, slow sci-fi, I think you called it, which mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, where it's where it's like these are like sci-fi movies that are not going to like, you know, be over the top thrillers with huge budgets or whatever along those lines. But there's really cool ideas that are there. Yeah. And there's really cool like things being presented. They do exist. It's just that it, they rarely break huge. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no one's gonna, no, maybe studio's gonna take a chance on it. That's why yeah. they're like the low-fi sci-fi. Like, we'll give you $10 million to make this, or like yeah. even less than that. Or you have to finance it yourself. Right, uh, <laughs> exactly. And, then, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Then, we'll, then we'll talk. That's um, why they need to make my uh, RoboCop remake. Uh, you know, the, the out. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> he's here to build back better. Yeah. So... <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Jack. They'll fix it, Jack. They'll fix it, make it better, Jack. It's uh, it's Brandon Cop. You know what I mean? He's he's, he's out there. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> who did that make Boddicker? You know what? Don't answer that. I don't want to answer. That. <laughs> well, he's he's taking down the Trump Corporation. The Trump Corporation is you know, right. they're uh, they're trying to build a, a whole uh, a whole town of hotels, and he's like, not on my watch, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Can we give a shout out for how freaking awesome the Car- Clarence Boddicker character is? Because I like I somehow forgot, and then like when I did a rewatch, actually it wasn't this rewatch; it was like rewatched like six months ago. I was like, damn man, he's eating it up, and it's like like little things where it's like there's, there's like the. The, the the drug dealer guy with the he's got like the wine glass right and he just like slips his finger in the wine like total dick move right <laughs> but and then like everybody's like you know shoot, getting ready to shoot each other he's like guns 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 like that's just like and he's just like could not be like less like, he's like worried he's about like, it right since uh, joker almost you know yeah like oh yeah which is not which is not the direction they wanted to go with it and i remember watching this last year and thinking like this is like a gang of like theater kids, and I wonder where this idea kind of comes from. <laughs> that like you know, it's it's read from uh, that seventy show, leading a gang of theater kids. And but yeah. the original version of it, he's kind of like a, a terrifying drug lord. Like they wrote him, uh, you know, playing it seriously. Like and he was straight. Like, yeah, and he was like, I don't want to do that. I want to do this, and it's like that works so much better. Like I feel like if if he was taking down like a real, if, if they weren't like cartoonish uh, theater kids that are like you know they they aren't getting any stage productions like count olaf and the series of unfortunate events in his gang like you know what i mean yeah. like i feel like yeah. it would be a, no, no, way, they're way like less, a pbs um... uh you know children's show grown up yeah to life of <laughs> uh, yeah because there's those like big motions yeah yeah absolutely and, yeah. but also if he was playing it straight and the rest of them looked the way they did it wouldn't work either yeah and i love that when well, he that's uh... they got a nation guy they got a black guy you know they got Leland Palmer, <laughs> but I, I like that when he has uh, when he has you know the cop down before like like right before they kill him or whatever he's like na 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 there's like the gun sounds and shit like <laughs> well yeah. and it, it's it makes the hyper violence of him literally having his hand blown off which apparently is what that's the scene where Verhoeven's like okay maybe this is good <laughs> where he's like yeah. oh I, don't, I haven't seen that before you know like and that's when he thought the script was good when that hand got blown well and that's when the <laughs> Reagan Jesus uh, example comes around because it's like yeah. he's well, one of they those needed to like, do in, uh, the, the remake is blow off hand off. <laughs> The, I remember fired. as I remember as a kid when those scenes because I'd only seen like the TV edit. But then as I grew up, I remember hearing like, "Oh, there's like a director's cut yeah. of RoboCop," and you had to like track that down. There's like, "Oh, but yeah, his hand gets shot off, and there's like three more seconds of blood shooting out of his body or something like that." Yeah, and I. I mentioned how crazy it was that you had seen RoboCop and Predator at 10. But now that I think about it, I think I showed my son those two movies at the <laughs> same age. But in my head, in like 2020, I guess it was 2020 when I showed it to him. I don't know. The violence, I feel like I'm almost desensitized to this yeah. movie. Like where even the yeah. Kenny scene where he's getting shot and there's like extra five seconds of Kenny getting shot in the uncut <laughs> X-rated version. I'm like, it doesn't look that bad now. I feel like no. so much that has come out since then, I'm like, I don't know. This isn't mega violent to me. And I guess that speaks more to 
our society in general. Well, but I think that's right. right. <laughs> the 80s did a thing where they made rated R movies for children, which is also kind of nuts in a, in a mm. way. So, so like, yeah. you know, they, they, they would come out. Well, with everyone's on mountain for cocaine. You don't think that things are, <laughs> yeah, you know, no. that's crazy. So, so like, do you remember the, uh, normal uh, alien, do you remember the alien action figures that came out when, uh, when, um, alien, uh, alien no. came out? Oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, not the first one, the second one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah aliens. Yes. Um, and they they came out with action figures for Rambo. They only ever made the two movies, so that's fine. Yeah. I had <laughs> I had a um a a twenty four inch Arnold Schwarzenegger action figure from Commando. Hmm. Commando. Wow. Yeah, where you could like strip him down to like his little um his little uh um uh, speedos that he wears at when he roses the boat to the island before. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! <laughs> All right. Oh, so Andy, I pulled I pulled this uh this clip for you. This is about um okay. this is a clip where Verhoeven talks about how uh, <laughs> no well it's about what we're talking about. Well, it's about you know uh, Peter Weller's portrayal and um you know the the '80s movies that were kind of crazy. And yeah. uh, here they talk about Buckaroo Banzai and how Buckaroo ah, Banzai yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, ended up inspiring the the Peter Weller casting. Look but at that screen good. cap, by the way. Sorry, audio <laughs> listeners, but look at that screen cap. I also That's feel like it's awesome that he looks so much like better now with his look. Because, you know, we watched the, the better yeah. data clips where he's like on a panel or whatever. He looks yeah. so much like... So like much sophisticated. Better. Yeah. Now. I feel like yeah. people did not look good in the 80s with uh, these styles they were choosing. Such was the style of its time. <laughs> Still hadn't found anybody. And then ultimately... Uh, somebody called us and said, well, Peter Weller is in New York, and why don't you visit him? He might be interested. Peter Weller made a bit of a splash on a film called Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. And John Davison certainly was aware of Peter's work in Buckaroo Banzai, so he was one of the people who tested for it. I pointed out that it would be a life of suffering and that he would not be happy. Peter had martial arts training, so that was appealing. We knew that a lot of his performance would be mime, so we needed somebody who like the idea of doing mime. He started immediately to take lessons about choreographing his steps, basically how, how he would have to walk with his Eurobocop costume on. Peter very much had in mind these kind of quick bird-like movements, particularly when he is fighting. Originally, we had cast Stephanie Zimbalist in the role of Lewis. And a couple of weeks before we started shooting, she pulled out. So we were in a mad scramble to find someone to replace her. And fortunately, we found Nancy Allen, who was available. I haven't really had a chance to introduce myself. I'm Ann Lewis. Nancy Allen, primarily before that, had been playing kind of shallow, bitchy teenage characters. Carrie, of course, is her signature part. But she was also always known for having these long strawberry curls. Very first thing Paul said to her is, cut your hair. I'm a mess. Paul was actually trying, once again, to take a performer with an established persona and tweak it. You really don't remember me, do you? Dick Jones, the character who Ronnie Cox plays, is one of the most evil, manipulative, and corrupt of the OCP officials. You just fucked with the wrong guy. But prior to playing Dick Jones, Ronnie Cox, for the most part, had played the exact opposite type of character. Wholesome family man or country guitar strumming, you know, ordinary guys. You know, just very, very nice characters. I'm confident we can go to prototype within... He's so great in this too. Like he's like, could you imagine 
like I, I mean, just like the bathroom scene alone. It's like, oh, he's earning it on this one. That's awesome. <laughs> and and he goes on to, you know, in uh, Total Recall, he's also the villain. Like those are the two times he yeah. gets actually. And then Jellico and, and Star Trek: Next Generation, which you know, yeah. Oh, that's uh, right. Phenomenal. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. yeah, I totally forgot it. I literally just rewatched that entire series too. That, that character. Yeah, no, he's the captain of the Enterprise for a couple episodes. And everyone's mad at him, but like, look, every suggestion he's making is better than what you're doing. Like, including like <laughs> yeah. Troy's uniform, which is totally he's inappropriate. A- He's right. Dick, the way he does it, it's just, you know, yeah. he, but he's right. Uh, yeah, Ronnie Cox is, is so great in this. And, like, I, it, it's funny because it isn't really set up. It's set up that he's an impressive figure, but not that he's, like, the big bad necessarily at first. And then you kind of realize, like, as time goes on. Uh, and there's all those, like, little things, uh, like, you know, Boddicker, like, invoking his name and whatever, and all the yelling. Um, that, like, but then you just see how absolutely ruthless he is. Like, mm-hmm. again, at the, at the era of greed is good, right? That, yeah. Or, People, he's like <laughs> almost the most, uh, I mean, I don't mean brain damage in the sense of like, uh, you know, like the developmental disorder kind of brain damage. I mean, like, in the sense of like this kind of uh, thing that eats away at you, right? Like, like the greed yeah. and the, he's kind of the most, uh, the most brain damaged of all of them. He's the most mm-hmm. greed damaged, I guess. Like, um, in the sense that, like, everybody at that table has been making decisions that, you know, I mean, just the, the ED-209 existing and the military contracts is already not a good decision, but he's the one that's willing <laughs> to take it that extra mile and be like, we could still use it. Like, it's just... Yeah, we could use it for... Exactly. Yeah. We could use it for other things. Yeah. So which is so... Like, uh, awesome. He's like he's like the biggest sociopath out of a room of sociopaths, <laughs> which you kind of forget about by the end of it when he's like, you're fired. And it's like that whole, like, you know, he finally oh. gets his, but it's like... That's that's how it works with like bad apples, right? Like there's always yeah. one bad apple that they're like, that's the guy. Like let's get this guy down. He's the scapegoat. But then you think about it, you're like, no, they're still privatizing this whole city. Robocop still exists, and they would have gone through with the ED two hundred nine if they didn't have a backup plan. See, that's <laughs> the brilliance at the end of the second Robocop, which which I really hate to say. Um, they don't but, say but, it. But, yeah, I'm gonna say it because because we're this far already. But oh, but no, the, the end of it. Like, <laughs> um, oh <man>. no. <laughs> Uh, they do that in the remake. Uh, they, they send the uh, 209 to Afghanistan. Uh, but anyways, no, the sequel, the end of the film, uh, they, they end it with uh, basically like like you see how corrupt everybody in, uh, at OCP actually is. And that they're yeah. just like, oh, we're going to find our own scapegoat. And, and right. uh, they puts Johnson on it. <laughs> right. Well, I, I love the, the, the two scenes that like kind of went the hardest for me as a kid that I can think of where the you're fired scene. Cause remember that's that fourth directive, like the secret, the secret fourth thing that that's his directive. Right. It's so hard uh, this week in particular uh, mm-hmm. with, with, you know, the, the, the failing of the fucking Silicon Valley bank. And it's yeah. like uh, a similar thing where it's like, no, the fourth directive is always there in, in yeah. all of these situations. <laughs> and the other thing, and this is much less of a discussion topic than just a notation when he like is, does his access port and it's like, he flips off the guy. Oh, yeah. I thought that was like the best thing I've ever seen when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. I still think it's pretty great, frankly. Oh my God. That was, <laughs> kid, that was just amazing. Yeah. 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 And then it's it's Chekhov's middle finger because then he uses it to, to get him to, to, to get him in the in the neck at the end, which is so great. She's like, how's he gonna get out of this one? Ah, oh, he's got the thing. Which is also another like R-rated violent scene. It, I think that one was also another director's cut no, edition. No, no, that right? was uh, that was on the VHS version. Uh, the, with the blood that flies down was on the. Yes, uh, I remember I like that, that there... was cut for some reason. No, I, I um I had it on VHS, so like like I have internalized <laughs> this movie uh, so much, and I, like uh, it, it's uh you know whenever I do art, I either put on like a movie or a podcast or music, like depending on, on what I need at the moment. And uh, RoboCop was one of my go-to movies, and I just remember sitting there in college one day, 
uh, watching it for like the 47th time and just like <laughs> seeing the blood gush out in the uh, the VHS version and just like, oh, that's really great how they did that. That You know exactly where he hit. That's Try awesome. CGI, you know. And even the scene right before that, when he first does it and the shot is still in Robocop and then just like the opened up bag of blood just falls on Robocop. Like I thought his heart came out on Robocop's chest. It's very thick and like it just drops on him. So cool. I think it's a Kurosawa reference. Maybe. maybe. Uh, Speaking of blood, Stevie, in the comments here, I think Kurt Wood Smith didn't tell the other actors he wasn't going to spit blood at the precinct to get a better reaction from the actors. Again, how badass is Clarence Boddicker? That's a perfect, like, give me my phone. And the scene with the gum, too, where he takes out the gum and sticks it on the secretary's uh, tag. Yeah, Yeah, what are you doing later? Whatever he's saying. (laughs) (laughs) So repulsive. How about his little tracker, his little robo tracker? Oh, yeah. It looks like it's like a PDA. Yeah. 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 I say, Red, Red, what are you doing? That's not Kitty. <laughs> and and like and then you get like little moments of comic relief where uh you know they're hanging out with the uh, sex workers too and you know there's, there's that, that that whole that whole thing there's lots of things that like i i've seen this so many times that i'll like kind of low-key access list drop i guess because i'm so like wound up about the other things because like oh yeah i remember him blowing the house up i don't remember this whole like thing where like they're partying Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, yeah, I'm so intelligent. Oh, yeah, you're so intelligent. It's the first time ever seeing anybody do cocaine in a movie. So, which is also like, how did I see this this young? And like, you <laughs> see all this stuff. That's, that's the thing that's so crazy. But I just thought I don't think sugar. about it. <laughs> well, and it's, like, and it's also, um, I, I, I feel like, I feel like the, the villainousness of the Dick Jones character is obviously the ruthlessness, but also just the fact that he can uh, take out each of these rivals pretty much like throughout the movie. And like for for him to be like, Oh, you know, I've outsmarted this guy. And like number one, when he emerges from the bathroom uh, to, you know, to grab him by the hair and number two, when when he appears on the screen. And and small moment, the one dude like, like pees himself as yeah. he like dashes out which Awful. and that's so, like totally like like this guy is that intimidating because <laughs> he's like haha yeah sure all right later <laughs> gotta go by the way he doesn't wash his hands uh in that set also i mean just take <laughs> gross but yeah look i need you for this take do not wash your hands uh <laughs> but it shows what an intense duty is right and how he's like oh yeah like because miguel uh Ferrer's character is is like saying like oh he's over the hill he's yesterday's news etc cetera, etc cetera. everyone's like whoa yeah nobody thinks that we're gonna get out of here and let him kill he him. also gives that uh that whole speech <laughs> where he's like oh i disrespected the old man behind his back yeah. called yeah. him boner uh you know said something else about yeah. him like he's like asshole one time and he's like but i always knew my place and it's like no you didn't like, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, love yeah. how, I love how boner is like the most like R-rated word he could think of in that moment that would have yeah. annoyed his boss. Like uh, I don't know if that's really a bad word now, but that's so great. Oh, oh, oh geez, what what a boner my boss is. Let, let, let me tell you, <laughs> it's like that famous Batman comic. Uh, Joker Joker pulls a boner. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some great out of context uh, comics from uh, comic panels from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the, I mean, that this is a great segue to the, how great the Bob Morton character is, right? Because remember, like, these are competing projects. These are competing projects, the Edward 209 and the uh, Robert Cop projects. And like, <laughs> I think that it's it's so fantastic that like, it's he's just like, oh, no, we, I'm going I'm to, you know, I'm going to get in and I'm going to, I'm going to sneak it in. And like, without even really having a candidate yet, you know, and then like when they do it, like, and it was in one of the clips you played for us where, um, it was, it was like, oh, he's basically dead. We can do whatever we want. You know, it, it's so key to this movie because, again, them stripping of his hum, him of his humanity for literally doing his job. Whatever what we want to say about police work. He was literally just doing his job. Uh, and then, like, you know, they basically 
they full on make him an automaton and then he is able to regain it. That's an incredible, it's like Pinocchio or something. Yeah. Mm. You know, to a certain degree, but like much more violent, even than the GDT version. Well, and, and it's reminding <laughs> you, it's pretty much reminding you that like, no matter what you feel about cops, I mean, and not all of us feel positively about them. There's still yeah. a level of humanity that this uh, number one, the, the prime directives, but number two, that this technology and, uh, you know, like ED-209, he's like, oh, this is for uh, urban pacification, which sounds almost benign until you realize they're just going to send this into a ghetto. And yeah, yeah. They're just going to blow and get rid of all them. the black people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, so I, I think that the the kind of, uh, it's a point taken almost that like, um, at least. In this and then, but then also Dick Jones is like offering Clarence Boddicker up like, oh, well, you can, you can be king of this. You can have like all of like the, the profits from all this stuff. I don't, and it's like, whoa, talk about like, I mean, not that that guy was like, going to make a role model to begin with, but that's what a massive soft moment of like playing both sides <laughs> against the middle. He doesn't care as long as he gets like the glory and gets, you know, uh, it's, it's astounding. It, it's, it's, yeah. and it's, it could be made yesterday and it mm -hmm. still would hit. Yeah, you were you were talking about the humanity of uh, Murphy. I, we were talking about the scenes that we forgot, but like one of the scenes that I always forget about is the one where he's going through the home and the TVs are like turning and the music. The, the kiosk, the yeah, kiosk the, realtor. The, yeah, it's so good. And the music in this movie is incredible. Yeah, like even the clips that you're showing, like it's you can hear it in the background in those like making of bits. But no more in that scene than when he's like having the flashbacks of his wife. Yeah. It's beautiful. So another thing where it's they just so were well firing done. on all cylinders in this movie. Basil Pagliarius is a great composer. Um, uh, I, I mean, it, there's a lot of uh, uh, things he borrows from his other stuff. Like, like if you actually pay attention to his work, because because uh, Basil Polidorius is one of my uh, go-tos whenever I'm doing art sometimes. Uh, you know, I need instrumental music. Basil Polidorius is like one of my top three. Real, real Basil Polidorius fans will know. And he's like, <laughs> yes, yeah, you hear that new record and uh, just, you know. <laughs> uh, well, I, and, and also I just like the concept of there being, having nothing with the music, which is fantastic. And like the do, 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 do. Everyone knows what that is when you, when you see, when you yeah. see it, if you know. And they do uh, use it in RoboCop too. Which is, mm -hmm. if there was a RoboCop too, then I would care about that. But uh, <laughs> the, but the idea of the kiosk, like the kiosk realtor, right? Mm. I went to, uh, it was a, the, we were on tour. It was like uh, Utah, I think. Did I tell the story on the, before? It seems like I might have. But, you like, might have, they, but it's they had a kiosk uh, clerk where it was like somebody in India or something like on the TV screen, which is like, wow, are you going to help me if like the toilet gets clogged up? Like, what is this here? But it is, again, another way that this movie is like super prescient where it's like, oh, there's just this, this like, lame automation that's like there for like a single purpose that is unable to understand anything beyond its current purpose. And of course that's done in other things as well. Um, I mean, probably most blatantly in idiocracy, but mm. it's those things that exist. They actually exist now. And they, yeah, do they look cooler? Sure. And they're not on like CRT style, like beige or whatever, but like they actually exist. And to have that tied in, have it like an, an automaton, uh, a computer basically, all a Max Headroom or something, trying to sell him his own house while he's going through and ex re-experiencing the memories of, of the things that made him human. Holy moly. Yeah, they, they kind of made fun of great uh, something like that, though, in Rick and Morty, where they had the little machine, and he's like, what is my purpose? And he's like, uh, you turn butter, and the thing just sighs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the more self-aware age that we live in now, right? But And, like, for better or for worse. But... Uh, yeah, I, I like that. You, well, you get glimpses of other things that is doing automation. Meanwhile, the liquor store basically looks the same. Yeah. 
<laughs> you, you know, don't, you, don't, uh, you don't change greatness, you know? <laughs> Liquor store with the bulletproof glass works. I'm looking at um, Basil's filmography, and you mentioned that he didn't do RoboCop 2, or that, that piece of work is not in it. I didn't realize that he didn't do RoboCop 2. Has Leonard Rosenman, who did yeah, Barry did. Lyndon, Rebel Without a Cause, oh, Planet yeah. of the Apes, also an amazing filmography, but I don't even remember yeah. what the differences were in the RoboCop mm-hmm. 2 score. Yeah, but I, but I can't remember any of the music from any of them, though. It, it's, yeah. it's, they, like, it's serviceable. It gets the job done, but it doesn't have any of those, like, yeah. there's none of those high moments. Like, like, like when RoboCop comes bursting through, like, uh, you know, out of, like, a flaming car, and you want to hear, da, 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 Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like, um. You know, uh, that's one of the the, the tricks that uh, you know that the, why everybody loves um, John Williams so much because you know he did that and uh, that kind of stuff in Star Wars. Not uh, this year, apparently. Boom. <laughs> Too soon. Oh yeah, but uh, tell me, what, what was the moment where, where uh, you know Steven Spielberg stand in did something cool and they play like the really cool theme of uh, yeah, he's phoning it in, which is fine. He's John Williams. He's it's, yeah, he's like he's, uh, he's, just, he's just at that little editing machine. Like, so I know there's like, hey, he still occasionally does stuff over at the uh, at Tanglewood, so you know, good for him, right? Yeah, yeah, like, like look, I, I'm, I'm a rock musician of, of low to middle renown, and he's John Williams and wrote the Star Wars theme. I think he's doing okay, <laughs> a little better than, uh, than Hans Zimmer. That's what I'll say. Yeah, well, let's please, not, don't no hate speech on this show for it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I mean, the music is is very intrinsic to this, and that and that theme's part of it. Um, yeah, God, that explode the gas station explosion. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that, like the small scale stakes of like of of the thugs, where he's like he's like, oh, and also I'm gonna I'm gonna fill up my tank too, <laughs> and he's like kind of struggling to get it in and get the gun trained on him, and that the guy's like studying for like, particle physics or he's like they, studying. They really did the... that explosion, I guess. Like that's not you yeah, know they, amazing. Uh, yeah, the gas I, I, I gotta try to find. Uh, well, I had to kind of find the uh, the clip of this, but like they actually were kind of shocked by like how um how like strong it was. Yeah, <laughs> big explosion. Like, I, I mean, think like... even Rob- the stuntman in RoboCop suit was wearing like almost double the RoboCop padding. He looked a little yeah. bit bigger in that shot. Like just yeah, he looked like he'd been working out or something. Yeah, totally. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's already pretty beefy. He's a little Schwarzenegger. Yeah, maybe. And oh, awesome. We did go scout Detroit with Paul. Although it did fairly well in the sort of seedy urban department, it didn't have any kind of futuristic skyline or any kind of modern look to it at all. RoboCop was uh, shot in Dallas from August through October of 1986, which is like the most humid and the hottest, steamiest, nastiest time to be in that part of the world. The temperature on the days that they were shooting there was about 120 to 130 degrees inside. Peter was literally losing pounds of weight every day out of water dehydration. He was constantly having to be hydrated. Peter had a uh, mime coach uh, by the name of Moni Yakin, and he wanted to work with uh, Moni on practicing basic robotic moves and, and to, to create a character through movement. Peter and Moni rehearsed for many, many weeks before the start of filming. Rob Bottin was supposed to deliver the suit about two or three weeks before uh, principal photography, but as these things go, the suit arrived on the day we needed it to be shot. Rob was, was very much delayed because of our 
problems, isn't it, that we had created partially ourselves. And uh, that's why the costume came so late to the set. And it took Peter 11 hours to get into the suit the first time because everything needed to be fitted and adjusted and changed and shaved. So by the time Peter <laughs> walked out of the trailer door 11 hours later, he was in a complete state because everything he had rehearsed with Moni didn't work in this suit. We had a terrible time and we had to stop production because we got into, uh, into a conflict, but the conflict was basically because he said, I can't do it and, it, and I don't know how to walk. And basically, and we said, uh, and, and the production said, well, I have to shoot, you know, no, no time. And he said, well, but I didn't get time to, 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 to practice. And we said, well, that's, that's a pity. We have to shoot anyhow. It was so devastating. It was so frustrating. And we were so insensitive that we didn't understand that that could not be done. It was only later that I realized that we had done something completely inappropriate and that Peter Weller had, to, had, had, had all the right of the world to protest. And so ultimately, Mike Medivore said, OK, let's stop a couple of days. And you work with Peter. So we started then to work with the system, with the costume, and we had the video camera. We showed it to him. And slowly, he got, got the confidence and the ability to do it so that it looked good. Paul Verhoeven and Rob Bottin weren't even speaking to each other during the entire course of the film. In fact, Rob stopped even coming down there at all and turned the whole thing over to uh, what we call the robo team. Action will be everybody shooting, yes? Hey! And background! We took over 10, 12 empty buildings and dressed them and then had them rigged to explode. <laughs> We were all over the city blowing things up. <laughs> we the news every night. Something was exploding or <laughs> there was something going on. Good in. Now fill it up on number seven. Well, the explosion at the gas station was big enough that it did manage to set the building on fire. The fire department did threaten to shut us down. And our cameraman, Jos Pacano, said, well, you know, that explosion, I don't think it's uh, registered on film. You know, it wasn't uh, really big enough, I think, for the camera to see. So we looked at the dailies, and what you see is what's in the film. <laughs> Robocop was a terrible experience in the production. I mean, everyone had a terrible time. That rules. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we even be? Where to begin yeah, with any of that? Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the I, idea I, that they wouldn't deliver the suit until day one of production due to crazy. various issues has has got to be like the most frustrating thing in history for Peter Weller to not even be in it till day one. Yeah, and then they're like, "No, got to shoot anyway," and he's like, "What?" Not even in it until that's always the the dry part of the season. Yeah. Mm. He's not even in it until day one, and then he finally gets in it, and he's like, oh, this sucks, too. <laughs> God, 11 hours. Well, I love that they're basically being the ruckus society in Fight Club and just blowing up random stuff, too, you know? And, and, and they were like, what are they doing? Yeah, those <laughs> rocket launcher scenes when they first get the SUXs, and they're just yeah. like, blown. Yeah. those those explosions look really close to those actors, those stunt people. Like, so they look, that looks really dangerous, <laughs> even in the late 80s. And it's yeah. not even like a written line that, like, uh, you know, makes the script, like, whatever, something like, 
it just seems like they blew up the fucking car and then he's like yeah. let's go got, like you know what I mean? like it's he's like got this car away. he gets he gets jealous at his uh henchman having having the same car and he blows it up that's what he does all right great give me our keys <laughs> <laughs> and i love the fact that they actually set up what that car is so like we know it because we get the commercial you see the ads yeah yeah which the ads yeah. are bonkers and, then, and great too yeah then you got miller the the guy who's like holding the hostages who's like yeah. who's like yeah, I want a I want a nice car. How about one of those SUX six thousands? So like again, second time it's brought up. So 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 like you know you're reminded check off there. sports car. Yeah. Yes. Check. And and uh, it's not like, even like not out of all the all, out of all the ads in this though, like that's the one that actually comes through. But like there's stuff like the Nukem, which I mean I love that scene. The game, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, oh yeah, this is what board games are like in the future, which is. <laughs> Pretty, but that pretty that, that that's kind of paired up with the fact that uh, at one point there's just a throwaway thing where two ex presidents just get blown up by something yeah, by the laser, the malfunctioning the laser, offhanded <laughs> comment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it's well, and and you, uh, Andy, you mentioned the the congressman, which is like Robocop's first like mission, right? Is to, uh, or not the congressman, the city council guy. He's like, I want my old job back. That guy. Um, I mean, that's based on Dan White too, which we covered milk on the show. Like it seems like an eon ago, but yeah. uh, that that's, uh, that's clearly based on Dan white, which is, which is amazing. Uh, obviously it's played up for like somewhat, you know, darkly comedic effect, but uh, you know, little, little things like that of just like having like that level of like delusion with it. But I love the commercials, like the commercial for the sports car, you see it, like you hear about it, like it's all through it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I love it. It's, it's, and then you see it and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I think so, someone in the comments was saying they thought it was a real car, which I think is hilarious, but I mean, <laughs> why not? I mean, it's so natural. Yeah, those, I mean, those. Sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is SUX. You're right. It does. <laughs> the, the, the TV, the TV series picks up on those like tongue in cheek ad breaks too. They continue doing those in the TV series. And I think in some of the early episodes, they they do like a fundraiser for like dying soldiers. Like let's bring our boys back. Let's put them on cryogenesis, cry like cryostasis. Let's freeze them. And they do a that fundraiser so like save our boys. And then like the next week they reveal that they didn't make enough money, so all the soldiers died. And it was like oh, <laughs> we didn't make enough money. But now on to the next news item. It was so funny. Stevie early on, still waiting for the release of the 6000 SUX with reclining leather sheets that goes really fast and gets really shitty gas mileage. Yeah. <laughs> Making those ads had to have been like a blast too, because you're just like, let's yeah. just go like as over the top as we can with it, mm -hmm. and it, well, and, it and, works. and I think it it reaches its uh, I guess uh, apotheosis or zenith or whatever you were like the the top of the line when uh, Starship Troopers where they do the like a similar oh, sure. idea, and yeah. they have um like they have like literally like the crossfire show. It's that's a perfect take <laughs> on the fucking American like you know U.S. media and stuff, and it's yeah the, 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 the yelling guy. heads. Kind of yeah. show, yeah. That it's like, format, it's, it's yeah. like uh, you know, the the proto Tucker Carlson on uh, CNN doing Crossfire, yeah. where he's just uh, or uh, like uh, like a, almost like a William F. Buckley type character, or whatever. That's like I find the idea of bugs that think, frankly, offensive, and like right, right, right. It, it, that's <laughs> right. one of those moments that like it hammers it home that like oh shit, like, and and, 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 she, and she's like oh well, there could be bugs we don't know about that do do that ah preposterous, you know. Like, but it's like but it's years before uh, you know the Iraq War. Where you literally yeah. will have like talking heads doing that with like just Muslims on TV. Yeah, and you have, you have like yeah, Carville and and Tucker Carlson or whoever mm -hmm. was it Bagala? Yeah. I don't remember who that. That show was terrible. I'm glad John Stewart mm -hmm. killed it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, but but the the thing that always fascinates me about those commercials is that uh, this came out. Uh, this was filming the same time the Dark Knight Returns came out, where Frank Miller, who wrote the sequels that never came out, um, <laughs> that uh, he you know he he put that in the Dark Knight. And as a part of world building, 
And they use it mm. the exact same way in, in uh, this movie. They still keep the commercials in the second one, but uh, they, they don't add anything to the, to the movie uh, other than like, oh, it's John Glover. <laughs> well, I think uh, Alan Moore did it with Watchmen, too. Uh, I mean, er- earlier on uh, where, where you have like, you know, the TVs going and then and like other things of media. Uh, I mean, it's uh, yeah, like what I'm, I'm not I'm not taking with Frank Miller. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's it makes sense because remember at the time, conspicuous consumption and all that and like, you know, oh, like uh, they're selling all the sugary cereal to kids on Saturday mornings and then this and that. And, you know, like that was like a big moral panic. That's when the moral majority was like coming out, yeah. you know, like and Alan Moore also did that and uh, V for Vendetta. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, yes. This, this is very hoping talking about why he came up with the idea to do those news clips. Um, oh, cool. Which I kind of found kind of fascinating. Uh, I just remember this right now. Last night I cut a bunch of clips, but like that I found of, of him talking, but they did a retrospective pretty recently where um, he went to New York film. Uh, like he got to speak like and show his films. And like they showed Starship Troopers. They did a live showing. They showed uh Robocop and I, I can't that remember. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I guess my invite got lost in the mail. <laughs> you mentioned Mondrian. Can you just talk a little bit about Yeah, I, I mean, uh, again, you know, it's not something that that didn't really invent. The, the word is basically in the script, when I got the script, there were really this, uh, let's say, interventions, I would say, in the main narrative. Uh, the main narrative is about Robocop, but let's say there are the commercials and, and, and certain issues of the news and whatever about the American presidents in, in, in space and whatever. I mean, these elements were already there. I mean, so... When I when I got the script, I felt that they should be there as abruptly as possible. That they would not really be somebody is in a room and you see the television is on and then you see what's on the television. I felt it would be extremely that it would be really modern and and to cut it right into the main narrative, interrupt the, the main narrative, show the, these kind of uh, commercials or newsreels, and cut back to the narrative. And, and, and I, I based that really on, on my admiration for a Dutch-American uh, artist, painter, uh, Mondrian, who, if you know his work, basically works with these squares of blue and red and, and green and whatever, but then it's in, they say they are very sharp, black lines in between, like chuck, 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 uh, black, and then there are these, these squares there. Yeah? It's all abstract, abstract art. And I felt that the, 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 this movie should do the same, that it would not, not, not prepare you for, it, for television news or whatever. It would just throw it in your, in your face. And of course, I was coming to the United States, was anyhow com- completely coming from a, from a European Dutch background, I was completely taken aback by showing terrible news, basically, uh, on the level of, 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 of the, uh, um, the rocket that exploded at that time, and then basically intercut by a commercial, you know? I mean, this is a tragedy and, 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 and extremely emotional news, and, and then basically suddenly you get in between, you know, and that was so non-European. They would never do that at that time. Of course, now they follow the American, uh, <laughs> American culture. Imperialism is all over the world. Of course, we know that, you know, so. But, but we also in Holland and in the whole of Europe, they have, everybody has followed that example. So, but for me, it was really at that time saying, okay, I'm going to do something really uh, or something that is, let's say, in movie making, it has not been done. 
I mean, in the news, uh, uh, in television, you could see it anyhow. But then, but it was not basically used as a as an art form. I, I, I think I used it a bit more for structure and 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 uh, and innovation. Yeah, I have no notes. I agree. No. <laughs> Good on you, Paul. <laughs> one, one little note, though. Uh, you know, Piet uh, Mondrian uh, was very, very popular at that point in the eighties too. Like, uh, I remember the there was a print shop at the malls that that you could go into. That, like every mall had one of those, and you could buy uh, you know prints of famous artworks to hang up in your living room. And that that was uh, his stuff was very, uh, uh, very, very much of that time, and everybody uh, like emulated it. Um, but I mean, you know, there are these these basic you know, just colors with these black lines. I mean, it's, you know, you, you know it when you see it. Uh, I think, um, uh, didn't uh, uh, New Order, like one of their their last albums, did something like that for their cover? Yeah, yeah, I think so. What, what, that's just, what was that to do with anything? I'm sorry. Did I miss yeah, something? That's the Paul, Paul, was, Paul was referring to that kind of like quick. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, gotcha. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, all right. We can, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we can we can we can change we can change this now. Let's see where's the other one. Ah, come on, there's too many of these now. Moon mm, camp. Nope, that's not it. Uh, yeah, well, uh, it, it's it's like diegetic uh, culture almost, right? Like he has yeah. it just like in the uh, in the uh, in the ether, and and I think it works so well. And I think that that's become naturalized. I think there's a lot of filmmakers have like kind of, but I'm trying to think. If I've seen a movie like really do that to that level where it's like, again, at the time over the top, but he makes a good point. I saw the uh, challenger. I was in like whatever grade school I was in and they wheeled in the television and they showed it and they did cut to commercial eventually. And it was like, that was really bizarre. And like, nobody knew what to say. And so everyone just like sat around awkwardly. Mm -hmm. It was, but like, it was like a Pepsi commercial or something immediately afterwards, which is like insane. So I can imagine him from like, you know, maybe a civilized culture where they wouldn't do something like that and just be finding it cartoonish. Mm -hmm. Paul well, and, and I mean, you know, it's news as uh news as a commodity, which is something that's different than right. let's say even like the BBC where uh, they go around and kind of, um, you know, everyone has to pay a certain amount of money for uh, state media, basically. Um, here, news is just a commodity like anything else. So, and they're not really uh, going along with it where it's like, um, I mean, sometimes they'll have like a climate crisis thing and then they'll be like, brought to you by uh, Exxon and uh, Gulf. And it's like, right. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Raytheon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well like, and I remember, broadcast... I remember during Obama's oil, like during the Obama era where there was like that uh, massive oil spill in the Gulf. Yeah. They had like an Exxon commercial right after that. Like, right. <laughs> that was... <laughs> Read the room. Um, well, because the thing is that they don't they don't uh, correspond with the news companies about what they're going to talk about. Right. So it kind of makes it so that these like you know these these really happy commercials can come on right after something like the Challenger explosion or something like. <laughs> and also heading back to the earlier point, this same year broadcast news comes out, which we did. Of course, we did a classic episode of JB on that. Uh, now classic, uh, but like the idea of. Uh, news and entertainment being like melded and like you know the, the like oh you know, everyone being upset about like, well that's not that's not journalism that's not that's not news etc cetera, etc cetera, the Albert Brooks character and then like like having those lines start to be blurred that of course were mastered uh, during the 90s and 2000s uh, that like to have that light entertainment like the fact that it's a uh, um, entertainment tonight wow what's her name Mary uh, Mary 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 Hart mm -hmm. who's uh, one know, of like the Lisa newscasters who, who Lisa Gibbons uh, that's right uh, that's right yeah very. Who's the Mary Hart? Mary Hart's someone. Mary Hart. Mary Hart was, was uh, definitely uh, one of those. Yeah. The other yeah. person from uh, 
It was like she was she was the person when Mary Hart couldn't show up. She was the like the that's right that's right like like covering the celebrities right. The role and then, of Mary like, Hart like, will be played by <laughs> this shark. Uh, the, the the like they're like the newscasters and that also was uh, predictive of cultural trends as well. Where it's like oh yeah people are like oh no they're not they're not investigative journalists they're there to look pretty. And then she had a daytime talk show uh, with uh, John Tesh. John Tesh. You ever seen John Tesh live at Red Rocks? It's incredible. Every 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 so often I put that on YouTube and it's one of the most surreal experiences you can have. It's it's pretty wild. I, I totally I remember like someone someone's like, Oh yeah, he has like a whole music career. I'm like, Yeah, doing what? What is he doing? He has the most milk toast uh, concerts. He had like yeah. gymnasts playing yeah. while he's playing songs and stuff. It's insane. It's like he, middle he, manager he, 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 like, soundtrack. You know, na 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 da, da, da. That was him. He composed that's that. Oh, props. That's a good theme song. As someone who composes <laughs> yeah. theme songs, I that's yeah. No, no respect. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he he has this really. I love John Tesh because he has this wacky sense of humor. Um, and uh, on that uh, daytime talk show that he had was nuts because like he would do things like they they interviewed a guy who was a dumpster diver and he'd like try to smell him mm. like through, through the entire interview. <laughs> I need to right. make, I need to add this to my YouTube watch list. After, after <laughs> this episode. Turn, turn this off and go watch some John Tesh clips, I guess, from Entertainment Tonight. I'm just missing out. Uh, yeah. but I, the over getting back to the, the meat of the matter with Robocop, like the, the having all this be like, is, is that a, by the way, is that a thing like the like, you know, diegetic video? Is that is that a thing? Because I'm going to make it a thing uh, where it's like it just in like with everything else happening. Uh, it's it makes this an all pervasive atmosphere that adds to the low-grade dystopia not not the high-grade dystopia of like the road or something along those lines it's like oh no things are just vaguely crappy and like here's like all of these things that are like you know the next again stuff that was considered massively science fiction uh then that are just you know oh yeah there's a thing that does that now um it, it works to to set the scene just as well as like the Clarence Boniker character being like, of course a guy like this came up and like started to rule the roost. Right. And by the way, can we just give a shout out for Ray wise, by the way, who's great in this as the thug that is like, he goes to the club, this, this, this thug, but like, yeah, young Leland Palmer eating it up, man. Yeah. Ray wise so is good. Great. So good. When he yells, when he sees RoboCop, just incredible. Yeah. All-star performance. So funny. And, and it does. And I feel like it, it takes advantage of like, I call it the R-Gang syndrome, where uh, you have like the, the, the henchmen and there's like, oh, well, there's the black one. And there's, you know, this like everyone, the, the, everyone's got like, you know, everyone's rep represented, which is strangely almost uh, appropriate for today's day and age. Crime's yeah. gone woke. Robocop. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it mirrors in this in this movie. It uh, it mirrors the the corporate side of it, right? Where it's like, yeah. there's a black guy at the table, and the stock executives, and like you know, uh, like a, like one woman that he jumps on the lap or that jumps on his lap when the guy gets shot. Like it's kind of the same uh, uh blandly yeah. diverse corporate board that you know. Yeah, but, but also you know they they went woke and then they burned the money, so they went broke. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Andy. Well done. That was good. You know what they say: go woke. <laughs> Go broke. <laughs> I, know, right? 
I, I like uh, oh, speaking wait, of so when, when you're talking about uh, low grade and high grade dystopia, it, it's yeah, kind of sure. fascinating that like the reason that uh, Detroit's allowed to number one get to this level in this movie, and um, like you realize throughout it because of these news clips, like the reason it's allowed to get to this level in this movie and be bought by Omni probably is that you know the whole world's gotten so insane and degraded at this point that uh, Detroit is just a symptom right. of of everything else, right? Like it's like well, we need a public private partnership is what we need. That'll solve yeah. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so many like you could say the same thing about so many tech corporations like buying up so many things and yeah. expanding. Like that was another thing it just kind of like had the forethought of. Like you could say yeah. like any you know Silicon Valley company like starting their own X or starting their own convenience store now where you don't have to talk to anybody. You could just go in and check out or like starting their own healthcare company. It's like yeah. literally every product could be built by random tech company. And I it's mean, like it's OTV. multinational. It's multinational corporation. As they, they uh, would just call it like Eater or something, like E A T R or something. Right. That probably exists. Like, what am I? I multi, mean, it's multinational corporation as empire, right? Like, um, yeah. like an omnidirectional isn't or omni is like interesting because it's omni consumer products. It's all consumer products. You know what I mean? Like they're making toasters. They're making like microwaves. Like they're making just normal consumer products. They're selling houses. Like why not just keep expanding your markets? Like oh well, we could have an X division. We could have a you know a, a giant uh terrifying police military. Like right. militarization division. Maybe like, it was a play on GE at the time because GE had its hand in also like literally everything yeah. around this time frame. And well, that's, that's back when they, they were got the, the houses with the TV in them. Uh, GE did the thing that Reagan originally lived in, where they would have the commercials of between things where it was like he would walk through the house, and he'd be like, "Wow, look at all these gizmos! Oh, a TV in the house! Oh, it's this!" Like yeah. that. That was uh That's what that 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 house reminds me of his house, but like. You know they're trying to sell it out. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and they they end up giving like the lines to AT and T. They own they own the lines, like like things along those. I mean, and there was like the whole Pacific Bell thing, and like the the, the baby bells, and like the breakup, and then the reorganization, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever. Uh, f- follow me on my for my TED talk about this. But I, I, all, all I'm saying is that like it's this is very predictive in a lot of ways. I agree that like it's one of the reasons why it resonates as a film, where it's like, I, you know, other than the styles obviously are not contemporary, but the problems well, are more like the police. <laughs> right the police go on strike right which is like crazy like and, and it's but it's but it's something where it's presented as like well they can't you can't go on the strike you're you're the police department that, that isn't mm-hmm. done uh, but like the, how else are they gonna like if they don't hurt the corporate profits how else will they they, they get what they need you yeah. know that's it's weird that's the only thing that doesn't heavy. hold up in this movie is that the police union acts like an actual union as opposed <laughs> to <laughs> Well, in, in the 70s, uh, there were quite a few times when the police actually did go on strike in major cities yeah, yeah. Um, as a last resort thing, you know, because of contracts. In this case, though, it's it's interesting that, like, obviously the police are the lesser evil in, in this sense. And, like, Omni is the, what they're actually going against strike, you know, going on strike against is the greater evil. And they've lost to it. That, that reminds yeah, me then, of it. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I was slim, slim. We have a bit. We've never fully realized it. We came up with on the French connection of the bad lieutenant scale of cops. There would be like D&D alignments. So you'd put like, you know, like whatever. Robocop would be over on like the principal side. And then you have, uh, you know, like total degenerate Harvey Keitel over like the uh, the diabolic side. Like so on and so on. You, you place all the, um, the, the various cops in various films in there. Still haven't done it. I was going to do it today and I took a nap instead. Good idea. Anyway. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Doyle in The French Connection is one of the worst, most annoying characters I think I remember ever seeing. I think I was rooting for the drug dealers like <laughs> by the third, third of that movie so hard. Well, he, yeah, uh, you know, he really generated tourism. I have not. Kipsy, so uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't mind him completely. 
basically his character getting tortured by uh, uh french uh drug dealers it's, it's um, i love it i need to see great. it now yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool awesome, it's pretty awesome that the final like moment of that movie is that, that like the drug dealer gets away and it's like, dude, you didn't, you weren't even good at doing your job. And he just like says, and he's like, well, we got most of them. And it's like, all right, well, that guy's just going to go and get more. <laughs> <laughs> well, and after he shoots his partner too. But anyway, that's the French connection. Go watch that now classic episode to hear all about that. We line him up there too. Yeah. Uh, and, and join the, uh, the Patreon to, to hear our bonus episode for that one, because that one. There was... we go. Andy. Perfect. <laughs> I would indeed buy that for a dollar. Uh, before we do one-liners, can we just give a shout-out for uh, Nancy Allen? I think she does a great job on here yeah. as uh, Ann Lewis. I think that that's, again, part of the grounding of RoboCop uh, and his humanity. Like, that's an important character. I think she does a great job. And it, it does trip me out because it wasn't until those, those clips and, like, some of the bonus footage on the DVD where it's like, oh, yeah, she was kind of more known for being, like, in Carrie as, like, one of the worst people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and well, she's in Blowout, too, of, if I remember correctly. Um, that same yes, kind of... Yes. I, and it's interesting that it was an accident that she ended up uh, in this movie kind of like a, a like a second casting choice because um, it's kind of fascinating that the same thing that they do with this where she's kind of known for one thing and they, like, pull a lot of people in from that. Um, when, when they yeah. do Starship Troopers a few years later, they literally go out of their way to find, you know, kind of just uh, degraded, like... Um, teen actors or whatever that were like on all those shows and they like try to pull those people in but like on purpose to try to uh turn it into like this bad fascist you know documentary that they're making right. with propaganda purposes mm-hmm. yeah she has an amazing first scene where she destroys that guy in the precinct yeah. her helping murphy at the end you know like realign his aim on when they're shooting the baby food it's such a great scene just the yeah. kind of like personal moment together yeah she's amazing in this movie yeah, she's really good. And I feel like like it's gets it gets lost with all of the I mean, I mean, good lord, Clarence Boddicker has to be one of the greatest movie villains of all time, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's some big scene chewing <laughs> that happens there as we establish. Definitely one of the one of the greatest uh second string movie villains, right? Because well, well, exactly, he's not movies, even the main one, Steve yeah. Jones, yeah, it's Ronnie Cox. But well, like yeah. but like <laughs> the thing is like Ronnie Cox is like low like low grade evil, where it's sort of like oh, he's like a Carl Rove type or something, where he's not as overt about it. But like yeah. But Clarence Boddicker is, is, you know, like he's like from the from the get go. Again, I just mentioned the comments over there. He spits blood in, in, in their face. Like, he's, you know, uh, this guy, you know, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. just, but he's so like, again, cartoonish. I, I, I like this, like cartoonish, but like it works so well. It's just so funny. that ends up being like the dad. It was it that 70s show. Is that what it was? That it, it was like, the yeah. dad. Amazing. Amazing. Which I is another that so show that tackles or, you know, a show that tackles the industrialization. <laughs> he loses his job at the plant. And yeah. uh, so, like, you could almost draw a through line where it's like, This is the oh, secret prequel. Yeah. First, he loses his job at the plant in the 70s, and then he moves to uh, Detroit, and he's like, I'm going to get a job in the, you know, the auto manufacturing industry. And then that collapses, and he becomes a uh, drug lord. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's, it's, all, it's all connected, people. I also, I also got such a kick out of uh, when he runs in, he says, Bitches, get out. And because, yeah, because I watched uh, I watched so much of that 70s show as a kid, because they didn't have cable, but all the episodes were on YouTube and uh, mm. like online for free. So I'd watch that 70s show all the time. And I just imagined Red coming into Eric's room in, in that 70s show going, bitches, get, get out. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's just, um, it's just Kelso and Hyde. there you go there you go there you go that's 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 the that's the way you do it that's how you make it woke apparently uh 
are, are, do, do, are we doing are we doing one liners? You want to do them? Yeah, I wish we could do a, like some kind of drum roll because we have Slim with us, and uh, you know <laughs> we do. So, First time we've yeah. ever had someone from Letterbox doing this. <laughs> it's an so. honor. It's an honor to be here for this segment. So, uh, um, so Letterbox <laughs> is, is a, a social media site website that is a it's a place for film lovers to congregate to talk at with and to each other about the films they love, maybe the films that they didn't love. The films that they would buy that for a dollar for. And of course, this is a uh, bottom-up democracy. Everyone gets to have their say. Nice, it's Siskel's and Ebert's of the world. Uh, everybody gets to chime it in, but you got to keep it succinct if you want to get on this bit, because that's what this bit is. We react to these. And these are the letterbox one-liners for RoboCop. Let's go, Forrest. Just order my box of Nukem for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I would play that, by the way. I'm yeah, it makes it sound very fun. But uh, then you think about it. I also, you know, it's it's interesting in the in the wake of you know discussions about Ukrainian military aid and stuff. And the guy just goes, uh, "That's it, son. No more aid for you." <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Also, way, how uh, how amazing is that poster too? That's the poster I was just gonna I say. Have. You have the custom poster of this, where it's the, the yeah. RoboCop Jesus. I love the RoboCop being crucified. I love it. I mean, so doesn't, and he's got he's got the crown of thorns on his head too, and it's, <laughs> it's on so fire. <laughs> it's so amazing so amazing truly reagan jesus <laughs> bobby could not in fact fly that that's the line where he chews the scenery up the most it's amazing oh, was, you ever fly bobby yeah, <laughs> yeah well so he good. says like bobby's at the beginning and the end of that sentence. he's like bobby get you a fly bobby it's just <laughs> like i love it right in my face uh, it's, it's red foreman it's red foreman when he gets like the world's worst coke habit <laughs> Please fly. <laughs> Dude was murdered and he still went to work. <laughs> you know, people people today would never. Nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's that, that's why they can't remake it. That's why they wouldn't dare. <laughs> Nobody would believe this today. Nobody would do it. Yeah. When Robocop shot a rapist stick off, I knew it was gonna be peak. That, that, see, that's another scene. Cartoonish fucking, uh, you know, henchman type villains. Mm -hmm. Like the yeah. Detroit is is full of just uh, the most like cartoonish possible, uh, you know, I guess multi multiracial, multi ethnic uh, crews of villains that you'll ever see in your life. It's like it's that was that was another standout yeah. for me as a kid, though, for sure, where I was like, yeah. oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I mean, the shot of, the, like, uh, the Delta City billboard in the background, like, the juxtaposition oh, of, like, yeah. the future city that's just so clean, and then this happening, like, right in front yeah. of it. Uh, and I, and I, then there's a thing, like, I have called a rape character counselor. <laughs> you know, where he's just, like, yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing. It's a real cop would never, but. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bring back women with comically oversized but stylish glasses. They, they they tried for a little bit in like uh 2011 and 2012 they had like you know they, they tried to bring back stick. those glasses as an aesthetic but the one uh the one scientist uh woman who like gets drunk and plants one on robocop oh yeah she was yeah. great yeah those great glasses <laughs> bring back scientists like that <laughs> <laughs> i watch it for free on youtube only to find out all the naughty words and epic violence was cut out if only i bought it for a dollar I see reading this. I was doing this last night. I didn't know where this one was going, and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> By the way, can we shout out this username, which is fantastic? Shadow the Herzog. Oh, mm. <laughs> excellent! That is so good. Well done. Never have I seen so many men with awful hairlines in such a short space of time. 
It was a different time. Yeah, it was the eighties. You could be a sex. You could be like a sex icon with. You could be bald, balding, bad hairline. Look at Gene Hackman. Yeah, he was a sex symbol somehow. Patrick Stewart. That's true. That's right. He was out. He's already. He's already starting to go in Dune. You're right. I forgot An inspiring tale of how a handicapped man returns to and excels in the workforce. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Those are the letterbox one liners for RoboCop. Please, please, please follow the show. That's RoboFlock over there uh, under Moving Extravaganza. That's his username. Go follow him. He is the Omni Consumer Legal Counsel, so he will sort you out for anything you need. I, of course, am Kona Neutron. I will indeed buy that for a dollar. And you are getting the highbrow, the midbrow, uh, the populist stuff. It's all there. Uh, follow the Criterion Challenge with me. That's good stuff. J. Andrew World is down with OCP. Yeah, you know me. And uh, you w- want to see all the weirdest stuff in the world. Uh, he's doing it all. He's logging it all somehow and watching it. So you don't have to. Or maybe so you can. I'm not here to judge. I'm just here. I'm just here just reporting the bit. And then, of course, your old pal Slim, a.k.a. Mr. Letterboxd himself. I think, have you heard of the site, Slim? Have you heard of the site? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I will I will refute the, the phrase Mr. Letterboxd. But Mr. I do Letterboxd. love it. I use it every time. <laughs> It's a great You're Mr. Letterbox in my heart. Oh, that, thank that's, you. That's I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Thank you very much. I, Mr. Follow- Letterbox, he's <laughs> on there reviewing films. <laughs> I follow Slim. I don't know if he follows me or not. Oh, but- shit. Okay. <laughs> I got to look. I get so, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I crossed the threshold. I'm one of those users that has like a sort of following on Letterbox. So I turned yeah. off notifications. For uh, follows, because now we have a new feature where I you can turn off notifications except for your friends, like people you already oh, follow. Oh, interesting. So if you're okay. interested in kind of cutting out the noise, yeah. which I obviously have, because now I need to yeah. I need to see who's that, followed me in the last like three, you know, last recent era. See, Andy can't cut out the noise because that's his entire feed. <laughs> you ever have you ever have uh, friends where they're like that are like slim slim listen uh th- how's this for a film review how's this and they like you know there's a kind of drug you just like pitch you there like a, like a couple line review of something you have to be like that's great we would totally uh you know highlight that yes. <laughs> I, I gotta go do literally anything else than other people <laughs> no no I, I mean we i think i'm pretty lucky in that most of my friends will have like good ideas for like feature requests like the the feature that i mentioned just now about like only yeah, awesome. notification rent that was one of my ideas and i pitched it to matt i think at one point and he's like hey here's that idea that you pitched like a year ago it's finally out um i like that but, shuffle function that's a cool that, yeah I mean, you, that's, that's and we can watch list that's a good uh yeah good it also forces me to watch movies that are on my watch list because i have a bunch of junk yeah. on there that i forgot i added and then i start to watch it and i realize what the hell was i thinking adding this <laughs> like i just watched that Greystoke christopher lambert tarzan oh movie. right Which, i saw the theater when i was seven <laughs> <laughs> Of course he did, Andy. Of course he did. <laughs> Nobody's surprised by that statement. Not yeah. not a great movie, IMO, as a first first time viewing in 2023. Not yeah. fantastic. It was I no love... great shakes in the 90s. If I yeah, remember. I don't know what, what, how it's <laughs> still the back 80s then. When it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't see it when it came out like Andy, but when I saw it, I was like, uh, mm, mm, right, okay. right. But no, not not that many people pitch me on reviews. I think the the only thing I get feature suggestions, and I think Letterbox has historically been slow to add features, just because we've been pretty content with how it works. 
and we don't want to be like a crazy feature driven, you know, app, but we're slowly starting to make progress on that. Well, um, you, you can see how badly uh, being feature driven, I guess, can go with, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Musk over there, who the, every week, every week, literally has, the uh, worst product manager kind of... in the history of technology. <laughs> right, <exactly. Yeah. laughs> well, and, and, you, and you you know, the people like, uh, you know, weird conservative media people are like just uh, DMing him, do this. And he's like. He's like, yeah, yes, okay, and like does it, and everyone's like, I hate this. Fuck no, you. This, this is terrible. Musk. Stop doing like, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's awful. Uh, can, I, can I just say? And usually, by the way, usually I close this bit off a lot quicker. But since you're since you're here, I have to give Letterbox credit that when the pandemic hit, I started off on Letterbox just as like I can never remember the movies I wanted to see. So like the, the literally the watch list function. That's why like my Instagram log is who watches the watch list. <laughs> which is me uh but like then i found a great community of people we just did the oscars stream with uh, lauren chenard lonely goat herd uh who i only know from letterbox she's a gem we love her she's a regular on the show uh lots of other people that we uh know from from that world have been on the show zach marsh so on and so on but it kind of reignited the fact that like Oh yeah, I'm really into this because there was a big uh, length of time for about ten years where I was like just not really watching a lot of movies and just you know it, it was fine. Mm -hmm. It was it was still a big part of my life, but like I started closed circuit. So it really did kind of reignite my love for film, and then led to me being on this show right now with you. So there you go. I mean, it's it, like we we've talked about it in the past, but I think the pandemic, a lot of people had the same thought. Like I yeah. actually really love movies, and I have fun making lists. I have fun logging what I watch. I have fun rating movies. Like I think there's an article in the New York Times where we had maybe like under 2 million members before the pandemic started. And now we're at like eight. Like so many people have felt the same way. Like I love doing this. This is fun. I love talking with my friends about movies um, because I'm the same way. Like I started 70 millimeter with my buddies because I was using Letterboxd. And I was like, which is, is a great show. I actually fun. listen. To, I listen to that show, which I don't oh, listen you. to a lot of other movie shows. But I, I like your show. Thank you. And I don't it's... just say that to any other movie show that comes on. There's actually like <laughs> maybe five I listen to, and that's like for me. But I think I think well, you'd, be saying, you'd be saying that to too many guests. You'd be like, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I listen right. to I listen to the movie show all the time. Yeah, I, believe me, there's others that I listen to and I don't talk about. Them. I'll put it sure, out. there's a, yeah, there's a. I mean, that the bit when we started the show was like finally a podcast about movies, just because we knew that there were. No shortage of movies, <laughs> podcasts with many middle-aged white men. Um, yeah, finally. Yeah, finally we Here's did that it. podcast. The first, yeah. the first one ever. Um, and I think we that's why have diverse been, voices. You know. It's yeah, been, uh, yeah it, but it's also like why I feel like when people make podcasts, they have to do something different. Like when here, like when the show opens, I mean, what other podcasts are doing that that introduction to the the movie itself, like that kind of work. So I always felt like and he, he has a great credit credits too. And I probably never tell him this, but he does great work with that. So absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. I learned something in the 10 minutes that I was watching it. Yeah, and I didn't learn any of that feature. This little mini <laughs> By the way, I did, I did that one in, uh, in two days. It was like the crazy turnaround yeah. time for that. With a storm warning people. There was right. a storm. No, it was a storm. The, a storm hit. The storm was very much in, uh, in, in, in process while I was doing that. My lights actually went on and off last night at uh, 3 a.m. really fast. Under duress. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> so Sherry Prime said, I just joined Letterboxd. Just joined Letterboxd. Amazing. And, and one of the things, like, you, there's so many different ways to use Letterboxd. You don't have to follow a ton of people. You can just use a private diary entry to write where you're watching, and that's it. Or you can use it any number of ways. 
that's literally how I started. And it was just like, watch the list. I'm like, oh, I'll keep track of this. And then, then I'd be like, hey, have I seen that? I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then, like, I just, I like a lot of things I dove in pretty deep, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Or fortunately, depending on if you like the show or not. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the only social media sites I like. I don't know if it's a technically, you know, social media site, but, um, and I even bought these Nudniks, uh, 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 pro. Pro? Oh, nice. Yeah, it probably expires soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I want to encourage them to be on it too. So, uh, <laughs> that's great. I, I mean, I, I like that it like, uh, is a lot of times like after watching a movie, I'm like, well, at least I get to like write something about this now and try to come up yeah. with something like it, it gives you an impetus to want to watch more stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. That That's like uh, the thing I go to like right now, Ving Rhames is my most watched actor this year. <laughs> What's the, what are the, what series are you watching that has placed him at the top or is it just his, uh, Mission his impossible movie? movies? Mission impossible. Uh, okay. Well, you can do worse than Ving Rhames. I mean, no, honestly, no. people like anytime a fast movie comes out, I'm sure. Vin Diesel jumps to the top of their like stats <laughs> yeah. anytime one of those movies comes out because they do a rewatch and your stats are all skewed thanks to that but, franchise. But last year right. it was Statham for some reason. I don't even get that one. <laughs> <laughs> Were you watching a lot of uh, what, what was it? Crank? Is that is that? That's uh, a well, I just watched that crank. because we did uh, Dead or Alive, and Crank is kind of like in that vein. You're right. Crank is kind of the American Dead or Alive, weirdly with a more sane ending. <laughs> which is crazy to think about but yeah because uh, that means the sequel the sequel's batshit too which, which is a lot of fun i mean well andy instead I of do. telling us about that why don't you do the plugs hey that's Day a great idea Down with ocp let's go you know me. uh you're watching us on youtube right now please do the youtube things like comment subscribe hit that bell and the big ask is to watch the video to the end you get that great kona neutron song and that helps us be discovered by other movie fans which uh yes. gonna- suck it john tesh <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I really didn't know he wrote that same song that's a, that's yeah, no really no i just I, I had this weird obsession with him in high school and i'm not even gonna get into it okay <laughs> um we'll save it for the after party there's no after party tonight. no save uh but but uh also we're on uh twitch so please do the twitch things you know throw us a sub if you have an amazon prime account you can subscribe for free and that doesn't cost you a penny, but that really does help us out. So, so please, if you can, do that. Um, we're on various different social media sites. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we do have a Twitter community. Um, I've been ignoring it because I've been busy making <laughs> artwork for other stuff. Yeah, you, you've uh, been, been busy, dude. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, no, I'm like I've been drawing Noam Chomsky while we've been uh, talking. So, busiest man in um, art. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah. Um, you know, find us on Sometimes there. it's fun as, as much as fun, much fun as a dying medium is. <laughs> it's a blast. <laughs> but but you know, you can you can certainly find us on any any of those sites. Uh, and uh, uh, sometimes we play video on some of the sites too. Ah. I, uh, but we do have a Patreon if you want to help us out some more. And uh, the Patreon it gives you the big thing of being able to get those after parties, like that one we were talking about for um uh French connection. French connection. French connection, French connection, right? Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yes. bad lieutenant scale. That's a genius bit. How yes. do I know that? I came up with it. Yeah. Oh, well, while <laughs> doing like the uh, Fred Flintstone. Uh... The Fred Flintstone. Oh my god, it's so slim. I came up with a bit that was a uh, French connection, but with Fred Flintstone. Yeah, because they, <laughs> like they almost cast. They uh, almost what's uh, the guy who voiced Fred Flintstone <laughs> as yeah, Popeye yeah, yeah. Doyle? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That 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 went on for quite a while. I remember that very well. That was good. <laughs> yes. 
it's, it's a lot of chaotic fun and, and uh, definitely something to check out and great reason to subscribe to see what the hell we are talk actually talking about um <laughs> that's the pitch huh okay that's the pitch yes you do you subscribe i'm not sure you're gonna know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> look i'm on the show and i barely know yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's why it says what what they're talking about now yeah, um I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm gonna put it on. Our uh, our our friend Felicity, our French connection thing, uh, came out of uh, imagining yeah. him going through that car chase, but he had. Oh to yeah, but he had to do the feet. Yeah. He had to do the feet. But he was doing. Yeah, that's classic. <laughs> he had like, the, the bird gun. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> now it's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pure nuts. Um, but uh, uh, you had on Protonic Reversal recently. Uh, your great music show. You had uh, Donna Donna Diane from. Uh, Juna. Yeah, it's a yeah. great it's a great episode. Uh, who's also going to be at Catterwall. Who's also going to be at Catterwall, yeah. And uh, her, her new record, uh, Femina Friends, is great. Uh, it's a like really detailed song-by-song -song breakdown. Uh, Donna's a gem. She's the best. So it's a great episode. This week, John Darnell of the Mountain Goats. Hmm. So if you know the Mountain Goats, and the people that know the Mountain Goats are really into the Mountain Goats. Well, I get a crack. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mountain Goat fans are like born. You know, you, you're not. Uh, you don't just become a fan like that. You're you're, you're, uh... <laughs> you're born into it. Molded. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're uh, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. Tom Tom Hardy will do the announcing. Yes, yes. Uh, this is Catterwall. That's the that's what we're talking about over there. Yes, which which uh, is going to feature not only uh, Juna. Don't read but, all the bands. We'll be right. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> friend, oh, right? yeah, yeah. There you go. Read my band. Yes. There too. Yes. As well you. as um, uh, Action Chief. Action Chief is playing a rare live set as well. That's Friday. Secret Friends are on Saturday. Uh, it's packed. Is it just going to be a, a set of solos or is it going to? It's just the solos. Is yeah. That's the name of the record, Slim. That's why that's funny. Hmm. <laughs> Don't you love when someone explains why something's funny? I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, though? If you want to hear that, you can find it on uh, Bandcamp. So you can go yes. to uh, 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 Neutron Friends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Dot> Bandcamp. <laughs> NeutronFriends.Bandcamp.com. Mm -hmm. And then you, uh, you can get the dangerous nomenclature. And I think it's just actionchief.com. Uh, Bandcamp.com. Bandcamp yeah, there's like art prints that you can get with the CD too, but there's no there's no vinyl of Action Chief. But yeah, go buy all that stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Thank, please and thank you. <laughs> We're recording next week, so I need the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christina couldn't join us, but uh, I always like to plug her coffee. Uh, you know, go to uh, kofi.com slash cosmopolitics and uh, help her out by her coffee. Have you heard of this, Slim? Coffee or Kofi? Yeah, I yeah, yeah my, my my buddies like, use it. My Kofi buddies Anon. use it for their podcast yeah. too. Yeah. Kofianon.net, right? Yeah. <laughs> I also I, I also never I never I know how to pronounce it. They call it Kofi, yeah. but it makes in my mind it, it should be coffee. It should be coffee. But, yeah. yeah. I don't. Well, it doesn't make sense to be like, yo, go buy me a Kofi. Like, yeah. Like, are, you, are you having a stroke? But like, I also, it's too late for me yeah. to say anything about the pronunciation because they've been going too far with Kofi. So I'm just going to have to deal right. with it. It's, it's some cost. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's Kofi 2020. Um, anyway, give, give Christina but, money. Uh, she's a gem. And we, yeah. we love her even if she's not here. No matter how you yes, pronounce exactly. it. I don't know. <laughs> no matter how you pronounce it. I love her. She's great. See? Exactly. Give her some Monet. Is that? Monet. <laughs> 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 well done. That's good. Yeah. All right. And Slim's here, and you all should check out uh, Weekend Watch List uh, as well as the Letterbox Show. 
Uh, and of course, you know, his show 70 millimeter, which uh, all, podcast all, all things you can you. do. And, and I did yeah. actually do the math uh, for, for people in America, 70 millimeter, it's two inches and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I never would have found the podcast. They're going to do the conversion in, in iTunes and they'll find it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I brought this uh, this ruler to the Apple Store. I don't know. Metric system, not on my watch. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no. I mean, just that that way, our, our uh, you know Canadian you know listeners can find you, and our American listeners can find you. <laughs> Got out of it. Uh, Slim's real busy in the podcast world. Uh, Tape deck, like, is what you call it, right? Yeah, tape deck, yep. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, 70 millimeters really good. The Letterboxd show is great. I know you produced the the award show that Mia's been doing as well, which is also good. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's we the best in show. I think we – I'm not sure when this will post. Probably we have one more episode left of best in show. It's like a limited series for folks that enjoy award shows or, or like me that I don't watch award shows. So we try to gear it towards both, you know, to make right. it kind of informative. Like, I don't know anything about most award shows, to be honest. So I watch it's a good on, balance. It's good I, balance. Yeah, I watch on cinema with Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington. I, I don't watch the Oscars necessarily. But thank you. Yeah, we try to strike that balance. And then I think in a, in a little bit, we'll think about if the four favorites themed episodes where we interview guests with their four fave movies. Maybe that will come back maybe in a, in a few months. But yeah, yeah a lot of fun. Right. You, you know my handle. I'm, I'm That's right. I have to follow you after this episode. <laughs> I really put the pressure on. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the pressure is real. I, I like I like the idea though that you're like uh, you're working your way up the chain. You're like uh, I'm going to try to get everybody to follow me on Letterbox. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, like it's like the longest <laughs> game in existence. Right? I'm to build an audience by having them be on the show. We do enough episodes of this. Bloody. You start with uh, you start with Matthew Film Guy and his like pretty big Letterbox following, and you work yeah. your way up the slim. <laughs> uh, so what he's talking about they, they do this thing where they get like a director or something um uh, some somebody you would know and then they ask you know how they do the four favorites if you if you know if, if you know letterbox and if you watch a show i know how you don't but then they'll they'll have their four favorites and they'll talk about them and so it's really it's really cool those like do some statistics on it and stuff really interesting even like when it's like someone you've heard like be interviewed a million times yeah uh, I, like, I most of the time it's movies i haven't seen and i yeah because people come up with some wild stuff yeah. too yeah and it's also like a good opportunity to check those boxes for movies that you most people, most cine, quote, cinephiles have seen. And right. then like, I'll just be frank, like this is the first time I've seen this and everyone just like crafts their pants. Um, but it's, you know, it's a fresh perspective on some of those movies. I, I yeah. saw one where, well, I saw like a live thing they did on the red carpet where they uh, like asked people their four faves mm-hmm. or whatever. And I forget who they asked, but uh, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. The, we've been doing, yeah. Like when we get, to like red carpets and stuff we try to come up with like a warm-up question for the ta- quote-unquote talent like we'll ask them what the first award they ever won in their life and that's usually like a fun icebreaker yeah. and then we'll ask them their like four faves and it's it's always varying you know you can get some like real film nerds that would reference you know like something most people have not seen but like maybe the hardcore letterbox users have and that like really resonate with where you'll get someone that like you know loves watching hook for God's sake. Like they, they like Hook is one of the oh, movies they grew uh, up with, and it's like one of their four yeah. faves, or like Jurassic Park, and there's all different types of of movie watchers. That's for sure. My, uh, my, my, my warm up, my warm up question, my warm up question from you know, if I pitched it on the on, on on the fly, have you ever seen a dead body? And then the person's like real weirded out. And then and then when you go into like asking them normal question, they're like, oh, maybe this person's a little bit normal, and I just got a weird first uh, interaction with them. 
the per, the PR would move them so fast you wouldn't even get to your second question. You'd probably be barred from the red carpet for the future. Is is that why is that why Bill bodied you in that interview? Yeah. Is, is that what you asked? <laughs> That's great. Hey, Bill Pullman, you ever seen a dead body? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's with this kid? Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's a great bit on a show that is not this show. This is still the bits, believe it or not. But yeah, I, I recommend that as well. Um, this Andy, is our please. new album, just the bits, just just the plugs. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> Jesus, no, that's good. I wasn't thinking about it. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, was that it? Was that Andy? Do you have anything yeah. that you? I mean, I mean, the only thing, other thing would be like uh, check out, uh, give them an argument last night where we had a great interview uh, talking about Scientology. Right. So if you want to get yeah, on a you're list, on, you're on multiple lists now. Yeah. <laughs> if you oh, want to go yeah. clear, go check that out. Yeah. But uh, but Slim, do you have some final thoughts or uh, anything else you wanted to bring up about RoboCop? Uh, it's a perfect movie, and I hope everyone agrees that it's a perfect movie. Maybe you'll come to it later in life, and you'll see the light, like I did. You know, it's a great movie as a kid, but it becomes totally different when you're an adult. Um, I mean, hopefully, it doesn't make as much sense in 20 years from now maybe things will be different <laughs> maybe we'll look back on the time when robocop was so perfect for the time but yeah i love it great movie yeah we seem to be moving in the other direction there but um <laughs> but uh but conan final thoughts yeah, look, this is uh, successful being a cool, dystopian, violent revenge tale and a sly satire of uh, consumption, corporate excess, and public sector privatization, along with Reagan-era politics. Um, relentlessly paced. The action here is extraordinary. Uh, it's kind of triumphant and bleakly funny. So it's like right on my alley. And, uh, you know, as mentioned, some of the themes have been explored before, like things like the $6 million man, but the uh, you don't get the corner cutting of corporate America and the cost cutting of someone's essential humanity in that. And that's one of the things that RoboCop pioneers, one of the many things that pioneers. Uh, very memorable, instantly memorable theme song, great performances, great direction, so much to love here. One of my favorites, Speaking of four favorites, I think I might actually swap this out with Big Lebowski, which is in my oh. top four. I've been there since the day I started on the site. So wow, 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 wow. So Slim and I are of one mind. Finally, with this we're aligned. <laughs> this is what this is the move we needed to get that follow <laughs> this is button. What we needed to do to get that that board. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great film, great film, and no sequels. Too bad they never made a sequel. Uh, <laughs> or remakes. All right, Andy. Final thoughts. Yeah, no, this is, this truly is, uh, you know, I remember watching this, uh, I did a rewatch in the, uh, during the Bush era and, and really learned, you know, like really got something that I didn't out, uh, out of it before. Like, you know, I didn't understand what it was satirizing before. Uh, I just thought it was a cool movie and I'm just like, Oh, Oh, I get, I get what they're doing now. Even though like, you know, I was watching it in college while, while just, you know, painting shit. Um, you know, and I've seen that movie. It's like so internalized in me, you know, I'm saying the lines with it uh, as I'm watching it. Uh, and like, it's so it quotable. Me... This is, this has to be yeah. one of the most quotable movies of all time. Right. Absolutely. Which, I, I appreciate everyone's discretion and not having that be the show. The RoboCop uh, quotes podcast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, like that's, that's the, I would probably it. subscribe. Is, 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 truly, <laughs> it truly is like the best example of what a meme is. Back before memes even were even like like understood, uh, which which I just yeah. love and or like uh, the shared communalism at least of them like the. <laughs> 
the collective experience yeah. of like all seeing the same <laughs> thing and having like a, a quote that doesn't even make sense without the context of uh yeah last <laughs> yeah no and, and that's that's the that incredible the, thing uh, about okay, this cover. um uh and uh yeah there, there's a uh, you, there's so many different ways you can read it too, you know, as a Jesus allegory, because he does walk on water, you know, he's um, raised from the dead. Uh, <laughs> That's why there's yeah. that poster. Where's that poster from, Slim? Do you, I think do you it's know? like Czechoslovakia, maybe. It's amazing. I gotta, I, I gotta look up TMDB, but it's definitely not an American poster, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I know like uh, the, the poster for the Alamo Draft House is, is outstanding, and I don't know if that's on your site. We, we um, would uh we would we would never put a you know robocop up on a cross because we we care too much about our beautiful boys in blue <laughs> oh here we go i i, I found it for people that uh, and again this doesn't help the audio listeners at all but here i'll, I'll throw it on the screen andy uh, go, go ahead but this is just this is what we're talking about we're talking about this yeah it's a cool post here we go which is pretty rad yes yeah yeah I'm into uh, it. That, i don't know if i would expect the uh like this movie though to be looks more like a transformer on a cross. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, but I mean, well, his head's on fire, so I mean, it could be anything. Um, <laughs> All right, Andy, please continue. But yeah, no, it's it's th that's what makes this movie so great is all the layers. Uh, you know, it's not just an allegory about uh, you know the the military industrial uh, complex, even though that's the main subtext of the film. But also, uh, you know, uh, is is he Jesus? Is uh, um, you know, is this the new religion? Uh, are we all going to be worshiping at Robocop churches in tw uh, you know hundred years? We don't know. And uh, God, I hope so. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's a anything's changed. Not because anything's changed that there actually is a Robocop, but just you know, Verhoeven is now our uh, religious <laughs> deity. <laughs> we also have Benedetta. He's like, That's right. he's like Robocop churches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a church just dedicated to Peter Weller's good jaws. <laughs> Robo nuns. How about that? Huh? Yeah. that matchup? I'd watch, I'd watch that. I'd watch that sequel. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, jumping on. You know, after tonight, we're um, this is episode 150, I should say. Oh yeah, we never even made it. Big milestone. Yeah. Big milestone. Yeah. The last yeah. episode we hit was uh, I think a week after the show turned one years old. Uh, yeah. Back in the summer, we hit 100 episodes. It's a lot um, of podcasts. Yeah. So we're we're dropping it down to it's probably just going to be Tuesdays for a little bit while Conan goes. You know, recording. He's uh, he's touring. He's going to be doing some crazy stuff. So you know. We'd, Busy guy. We'd, we'd stack up the episodes without him, and he'd he'd have to complain about it. We have to redo this episode, <laughs> and I would, I would. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back uh, next week.